You're listening to the Max Level Podcast from March 5th, 2018. For the definitive version of the show, be sure to listen through either iTunes or Google Play using your favorite podcast app of choice. On with the show. Hello and welcome to another edition of Max Level, a video game podcast found on Level Down Games every Monday. I'm Brian, joined as always by the self-proclaimed king of Long Island, Frank. Hey guys. Special shout out to Dance with the Dead for allowing us to use their music for the Max Level podcast. Everyone absolutely needs to go check these guys out and support their music. They can be found on Bandcamp, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, pretty much everywhere. Check it out. You won't be disappointed. We've actually got a lot of feedback on them over the past week. People are really digging them. So I'm glad that we're actually helping spread the word of Dance with the Dead. They're freaking awesome. Yeah. And we're actually spreading the word of the actual retro wave movement in its entirety. So like uh, people are really starting to dig this. And I wanted to catch on because I wanted to get even bigger. Uh, before we get into the episode, though, we want to know the following is brought to you by Technies Board Gaming Chairs right there. Look, check that out. What? <laughs> Are you in need of a new chair for your office, a studio, or gaming space? I no longer am. I bought one. Technisport is one of the leading manufacturers for gaming-related chairs. In fact, scholars have long debated the origins of the Pro Gamer series. The most common theory is that a mad scientist created the first prototype by crossing a racing car with a lazy boy. However... Gamers claim to have known these creatures for thousands of years, and stump steamers insist that they have always existed right here in cyberspace. Go to technisportusa.com and use the offer code LDG. Stands for Level Down Games. Offer code LDG to save 10% when making a purchase. If you're interested in helping us out here at Level Down Games, all of our affiliate links can also be found in the YouTube description box in all of our videos, and in the descriptions for our podcasts on podcast services. We've got Technisport Gaming Chairs, Amazon, Origin PC, and Razer. Thanks in advance for all of the support. And I can actually officially say, dude, this chair is extremely comfortable. I've been using it, it now for like it. yeah, I've been using it now for about 24 hours. Um, barely have moved out of it, and it's still a super comfy. I love the support system. I actually absolutely love this chair. I think it was well worth the money that I spent on it. Um, one, so I could have a new chair because I needed it, and two, I can now actually give firsthand experience on our shows how comfortable this chair actually is. Um, I, I definitely fully support this chair. I'm glad we actually chose them as our affiliate because I really, really do think this chair is comfy. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we can get you one soon. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, last but not least, if you don't currently subscribe to our YouTube channel or other podcasts, we've got a lot of great content you may be interested in. Simply search Level Down Games on any podcast app to see a list of our shows, including Max Level, BG Mania, Glow, and Revisiting the Classics. We also have a YouTube channel that sees at least one new video uploaded to it daily, and again, that can be found by searching for Level Down Games on YouTube. We'd love to see you around more often in our community, and we'd also love to hear from you too. If you want to contact the show, feel free to send an email to maxlevel at leveldowngames.com. You can send us video game related questions and we'll try to answer them to the best of our ability. Suggestions for Are You Afraid of the Dark and Kickstart My Heart, general thoughts on the latest happenings within the gaming landscape, or even questions specifically about myself or Frank. Any good questions received will most definitely be used in some form on the air during our shows. Uh, and I will say, if you send us questions for, you know, some of the, like, you know, questions for the show, we are planning to do a mailbag episode in August as well, because, um, I actually am making a trip out to Long Island in August, so we will be doing some live content then this summer, so it'll, be, it'll actually be kind of cool. Ah, Brian's joining the kingdom of the Long Islanders. King, 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 the kingdom of uh, Frankistan, as you like to call it. But, uh... <laughs> the government's trying to shut down Frankistan, so... <laughs> 
But uh, no, so I'll be making a trip out there. We'll be doing some stuff live, me and you. We'll be doing some stuff with Valina. Um, so it'll be stuff on our YouTube channel, the Lowdown Down Games channel. We'll have some stuff on her channel over at Valina XO on YouTube. So we'll have some good stuff coming up here soon uh, this summer. It'll be fun. But we're going to have to pre-record an episode because I'll be gone for about a week. So we're going to do a special mailbag episode, hopefully in August, if we get enough questions. We'll still do some other stuff, too. We'll still do our normal we'll be, segments. We'll be all over the social medias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Tinder, Bumble, you name it. Well, that's you. That's not me. Um, but let's move into <laughs> what we've been playing over the past seven days. And I, I know this is actually going to be really, really short this week, but there's for a reason. And I'll get to it when, when we move into what I've been playing. But uh, go ahead and kick us off like you normally do. All right. Uh, so people who've been following know that I can't play games on my PC. And that's really crappy. Well, wait a second. You... Wait a second. I got a new PC. You did. Okay. So uh, anybody who follows us. Uh, Brian's is streaming on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash games. Yeah. So, uh, we, we've actually played Dead by Daylight last week. So Yeah, check it out. You were live with me and Justin on Saturday night. So uh, if you missed well, miss that. Boy, did I suck. Yeah. If you missed that, um, I can't put those up on YouTube because there is excessive cursing in those videos. So obviously, you know, viewer discretion is advised. But uh, I'm also playing licensed music in the background because Twitch lets you do that, but YouTube does not. So, um, you know, I'm playing music while we're playing the game and uh, I can't put those on YouTube. So go over to our Twitch channel. You can see the, uh, the video on demand of it if you ha if you missed it. Uh, so I've literally played two games this week. Other than that, um, I, I played I played some more Cuphead now that I can actually have a PC that supports it. Yeah, it's your own version this time, though, instead of your buddies. Exactly. My own version. So I can actually play at my own leisure. Right. Ooh, something crazy going on. <laughs> the blue light. It's the blue band group. No, that means that there's snow coming into Long Island. I know. Boy, boy, boy. Uh, <laughs> but I also played, uh, for the Switch, there's a remake of Sinmora. Uh, yeah, this there is. This is Sinmora EX. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a shmup, and it's actually pretty fun. Uh, I, I like the whole idea of there's no health bar. Okay, Instead, yeah. said if, if you get hit, the time decreases. It, it's, it's all based on the timer system, so. Right. That was pretty cool. Um, I played the original back when it was on Xbox Live. Okay. And graphically, it's there. Like they, they, they definitely was a total overhaul of graphics. It's, it's, it's now it's current gen. Okay. But they really didn't. Add, other than couch co-op, they really didn't add anything that was uh, noteworthy. Okay. Definitely not worth the thirty dollars, in my opinion, that they want for the Switch to buy this game. I actually borrowed a copy from someone, so I didn't pay anything. But uh, oh. it's fun. I enjoyed it. Oh, I was gonna say. So you actually you borrowed this copy? You I, I borrowed, I, yeah, I borrowed the copy. Okay. I, 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 I let down Zelda. Oh, okay. Which, which I better get back soon. Yeah, well, I mean, granted, obviously uh, you did already... Uh, uh, but you haven't, played, you haven't played the DLC yet, though. That's exactly why I want it back soon. Um, <laughs> but you, I, 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 I recommend the game. I just mm -hmm. think that you maybe should wait for a price drop. Okay, makes sense. I mean, it's $10 on Steam. Uh, in fact, if you have the original version on Steam, the EX update was free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, I remember that. I think we actually maybe we may have covered that in a in a weekly release. A that's why it was back. on my radar. Like, right. I, 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 was, I, was like, oh, I know this. Like, but uh, yeah, I, I don't. I think thirty dollars is a bit too much. You playing this on the Switch? Okay. Okay. Um, and Brian didn't play any games because he's a loser. Well, I did. I did. I'm, but, I'm kidding, Brian. But, I'm kidding. Um, some things I can't talk about. Some things I can. Obviously, we're all, we're still playing Final Fantasy V for revisiting the classics, sure. so we're wrapping that up this week, so check out our next episode. Uh, we obviously posted an episode this past uh, Saturday 
We're about 80% of the way done with the game now, but uh, the one that's posting this Saturday will actually be the conclusion of Final Fantasy V and as we move on to Final Fantasy VI. So, um, you know, Final Fantasy V, we've definitely been plugging away at that. Uh, I played more of Kingdom Come Deliverance, but we're actually doing a special review uh, as half of our main discussion later in the episode. So stick around for that. So we're not going to talk about Kingdom Come Deliverance here and what else we've been playing. Um, I put a little bit more time into Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth Hacker's Memory, but not enough to where I really did anything that I could actually say that I did. I went in, I went through a couple dungeons. I, I did some things. I leveled up my Digimon a little bit, but I only played for about three or four hours this past week. So it's really, I didn't really progress the story much. I did some side quests. I, you know, I just kind of just wanted to take a little bit of a break from kingdom come. So I switched over to Digimon for a few hours when I was getting um, a little frustrated with kingdom come because that game is kind of challenging. Um, I booted up secret of mana HD, but I haven't really made any progress in that yet and i'm really mad that i haven't been able to just because i really do want to play it but i just haven't had time dude i, I literally have been putting all my effort into kingdom come deliverance and some other things that we've got going on and um sega came through and i got a review code for yakuza 6 nice so the embargo isn't for another two weeks so i can't say anything on it yet but uh, i have been i did start that so um you know i i played some games but it's nothing that i can actually really actually talk about in this segment so I do want to say stick around through the, you know, listen to the whole episode, first of all, but 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 anticipate the uh, the main discussion, because half of it is going to be our Kingdom Come Deliverance official review. And it's the first time we're going to do something like that here at Level Down Games, where we're going to review a game on the podcast. And then we're also going to separate that out and put it up as its own separate video as well. So that'll be kind of interesting. And I want to see if that works out. Uh, we may start doing that more often for some games that I know we're both playing or games that I know would make for an interesting topic on the podcast. Um, but that's not going to mean that we're still not going to do normal reviews with text reviews and all that kind of stuff as well. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll be doing kind of both sides of the equation here for a little bit. And I think it should at least be interesting. But yeah, that's already going to bring us to the end of what we've been playing then. So like I said, I, I really didn't have anything else to talk about. So we're going to move into the Weekly Scoop News Report. And we've got 16 items on the docket to talk about today. Uh, it's going to be interesting. And we always start off with big news. We always kick things off with big news. And it's that time of the month where we get to talk about Xbox Live versus PlayStation Plus for the free games in March. And this is a very interesting month. A very interesting I got, month. Oh, yeah, I got that email. I'm sure yeah, you got that email. This is a very interesting <laughs> month. So as always, we're going to kick things off with Xbox Live Games with Gold. On Xbox One, available for the entire month, Trials of the Blood Dragon, which actually is a good game. It's the uh, it's the mix up of the trials games, you know, the, the dirt bikes and you're trying to get through the levels and that mixed with uh, Far Cry Blood Dragon, which is like that 80s edition of Far Cry. So, this oh, is really? a, yeah, this is a really cool um, mix up that Ubisoft did. It's actually really, really, really freaking cool. It's a great game. Uh, and then available from March 16th to April 15th, Super Hot, which is another good game. That's a good game. That's a really good game. Super Hot's fun. On um, Xbox 360, from March 1st to March 15th, you'll be able to get Disney Pixar's Brave, which will be backwards compatible on the Xbox One, which I've not played. And uh, from March 16th to March 31st, you'll get Quantum Conundrum, also available on Xbox One through backwards compatibility. I've got another game that I haven't played. Um, just looking at the Xbox One lineup, though, Blood, uh, Trials of the Blood Dragon and um, Superhot, I would normally say that's a strong month for Xbox. But then Sony came out of nowhere with this. So PlayStation Plus uh, free games for March 2018. On PlayStation 4, you're going to get Bloodborne. You're going to get Bombing Busters. You're going to get Claire Extended Cut. You're going to get Mighty Number no. 9. You're going to get Ratchet and Clank. And you're going to get bonus DLC for Dungeon Defenders 2, which includes four shadow costumes, one million in gold, five campaign shard packs, five defender packs, and a Ninja Gato pet. On PlayStation 3, you're going to get Legend of K Anniversary, 
and you're also getting Mighty Number no. 9. On PlayStation Vita, you're getting Bombing Busters and Claire Extended Cut, which are both play- playable on PlayStation 4 as well. But not only that, but they also announced that starting March 8th, 2019, so exactly one year, the PlayStation Plus monthly games lineup will only be focusing on PlayStation 4 titles and will no longer include PlayStation 3 and PlayStation Vita titles. This will not affect any games you have already downloaded or will download prior to March 8th, 2019. Those games will remain part of your PlayStation Plus games library as long as you remain a member. Your game saves and other benefits of PlayStation Plus will also remain the same. But we did find out a little bit further clarification. When this does switch March 8th, 2019, we will only be getting two, sometimes three, PlayStation 4 games. So we're no longer going to get six titles like Sony has been giving. You know, they've been doing two PS4, two PS3, two Vita, with some of those PS3 and Vita games being also playable on PlayStation 4. They're not going to do that anymore. So we're actually going to be dropping down to two, sometimes three games on PlayStation 4 only. But I really think this means that we're going to start getting bigger titles on PlayStation 4 now. Obviously, we're getting Bloodborne this month. We're getting Ratchet and Clank this month. Mighty Number no. 9, not a big game, but still a, you know, a, a, a game that's worth yeah. playing for free so um you know but but specifically looking at bloodborne and ratchet and clank two huge first party games i think sony now you know we are uh by the time this starts march 8th 2019 we will be five years into the playstation 4 life cycle so they can start going into okay what did we release our first year our second year and our third year first party wise and they could start giving out some of these titles now for free because it's been long enough which is what they did on ps3 if you remember yeah. when, when they announced when they started doing games um, playstation plus free games um, you know, they started with the early games that came out on PS3 and gave those away for free. So that's what they're going to do now on PlayStation 4. Um, it makes sense to me. Obviously, some people were up in arms that we're not going to get six games anymore. And I wouldn't expect Sony to continuously every single month give us six free games on PlayStation 4. That's a lot of freaking games, dude. So nothing's changing on the PS4. Well, front, which I'm okay I pay with. for it. Well, sure. But uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm fully I'm fully behind this idea because it means that we should start getting a bigger and better games for free on PlayStation 4 instead of just smaller titles now. And I think Bloodborne is a good indicator of that because Bloodborne may be my favorite from software Souls-like game because it is part of the Souls series. But uh, and you haven't played Bloodborne yet, right? Not yet. Oh, you will. March. I can't wait for you to play Bloodborne. I, I want you to tell me what you think, because you've played some of the Dark Souls games. I have, yeah. But uh, I, I can't wait for you to play Bloodborne, because it plays a little bit different than Dark Souls. It's a little bit more faster, which I think will kind of equate to your play style a little bit better. So um, I All definitely yeah, I definitely want you to check this out when you get it for free, um, and uh, let me know what you think. But uh, we've got one more big news story to talk about this week. Remember last week we talked about EA Play being announced for E3 week. We have our second E3 press conference already confirmed now. Bethesda is going to host its E3 2018 showcase on June 10th at 6.30 p.m. Pacific, 9.30 p.m. Eastern. June 10th is a Sunday. The company announced uh, later in the earlier in the week. The showcase will be live streamed on Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Bethesda.net. Additional details about the event will be announced at a later date. Um, I can already say that live Fra- reactions. Yeah, Frank, Frank and I will be on twitch.tv slash level down games with live reactions. Um, you know, you'll have a different work schedule by then. So uh, you will exactly. we, we, we'll be live on Sunday for Bethesda. Microsoft is usually on Sunday. So we'll be live on Sunday for Microsoft. EA on Saturday will be live for that. Um, we'll have to take a little bit of a break during our recording time on Saturday to do that. But uh, we'll, we'll, I think that'll be I mean, I think it's worth it. And uh, <laughs> we'll have a busy day that Saturday. Um, and the only thing no, is, no, though, no sleep for the wicked. No, no sleep. The only thing is, though, uh, Monday, you may not be able to join me for Ubisoft's conference because that will be in the 
late afternoon. I don't know if you'll be home yet. You might be home because Ubisoft sometimes starts at like six. So you may get home in time. You may be walking through the door as it's starting or worst case, worst case, worst case scenario. I have it already set up for you to jump in as soon as you get home. So, um, but then Sony is always Monday night at, um, you know, nine o'clock usually. So we'll be live on for Sony on at E3 and then Nintendo, they always go Tuesday at noon. So you won't be able to join me for that one because you'll be at work. But um, which is the one I really want you there for, because that's the one we're probably going to see Animal Crossing. But uh, that's OK. That's OK. But E3 is going to be exciting this year, dude. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that it's getting close already. You know, we're already uh, four months away. Yeah, I'm counting Actually, down three to months it. away. It's I'm counting down to it because E3 falls on my birthday. Yes, it does. It falls. It falls right around there. Actually, it does fall. Does it actually fall on your birthday this year? 13th. Oh, E3 week. The conferences will yeah, be over by yeah. the time your birthday. E3 week is yeah. your birthday, yeah. So that's pretty cool. Let's talk about some game announcements this week. We've got several what game got? announcements once again. Treon Worlds has announced Defiance 2050, a free-to-play online shooter coming to PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. The game will feature dynamic open-world environments, massive cooperative battles, stunning updated visuals, and a huge weapon selection. Beta signups are available at the game's official website over at uh, defiance2050.com. We do have the announcement trailer for this game tomorrow to watch on Game Oracle. So as always, join us tomorrow on YouTube, 9 a.m. for Game Oracles. Check it out with us. Also announced this week, United Kingdom-based independent developer Inkle has announced Heaven's Vault, a archaeological sci-fi graphic 3D adventure coming to PlayStation 4 and PC in 2018. Uncover a forgotten past and decipher a lost language in this open-world narrative adventure game. Join archaeologist Aliyah Elisra and her robot sidekick Six as they investigate the nebula, an ancient network of scattered moons. Discover lost sites, freely explore ancient ruins, and translate inscriptions to reveal the secrets of nebula's past. Decipher an entire hieroglyphic language and a puzzle mechanic with a unique narrative twist. Every inscription you find has a meaning, and the translations you choose feedback into story. Um, oh, that's really cool. Okay, oh, I'm sorry, I kind of read that wrong. And the translations you choose feed back into the story, not feedback into the story. <laughs> Changing Aaliyah's ideas about what she's found. But be warned, you won't ever be sure if your translations are correct. The game has a non-linear design that allows you to approach the story in any order. Backed up by Inkle's narrative engine, Ink, which remembers every choice you make and every path you follow and every path you don't take and feeds in that into what happens next as well. A diverse cast of characters will react to everything you say and change their approach depending on how you treat them. Some are kind, some are cautious, and others are out to con you. You have been warned. We have a trailer to watch for this tomorrow on Game Oracles as well. This sounds extremely interesting it's, to me. No, 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 no. It sounds like to me. It sounds like the Nemesis system. Yes, it does. Like the Nemesis system being applied to a uh, to a graphic novel type of a thing. Yes. Uh, I love the art style of this that I'm looking at just by looking at screenshots. I think this game is definitely instantly moving up on my radar near the top. Again, we have a trailer to watch for this tomorrow on Game Oracles. Check it out with us. Funcom has announced Mutant Year Zero Road to Eden, a tactical adventure game developed by the Bearded Ladies and coming to PlayStation 4, Xbox One and PC in 2018. Mutant Year Zero Road to Eden is a tactical adventure game combining the turn-based combat of XCOM with story, exploration, stealth and strategy. Take control of a team of mutants navigating a post-human Earth created by a team including former Hitman leads and the designer of Payday. 
Uh, again, we I have am, a trailer I to am, watch for this. I am playing as the duck character. It shall be done. Oh, you actually, you've already seen this then. You see the picture? It, it is in my uh, Steam wishlist already. Oh, nice. Nice. Uh, yeah, there's a duck character. There's like a pig slash boar character. Uh, we have a trailer to watch for this. It's a cinematic trailer, so it's actually a pretty, pretty trailer from what I'm looking at here. Uh, we have a trailer to watch on Game Oracles tomorrow. So again, check it out. Question. A team of industry veterans, including the creative director and lead writer of Bioshock 2, the senior gameplay programmer of Dishonored, and the lead effects artist for Bioshock Infinite, have a, question is the name of the studio, have announced The Blackout Club, a cooperative horror game coming to PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC, Q1 2019. Set in a small town with a monstrous secret, the Blackout Club follows a group of teens who band together after learning they've all been temporarily losing consciousness, waking up in strange places with no memory of what they have done. Recently, one of their closest friends vanished entirely. When none of their parents, teachers, or even the police are willing to believe them, the friends launch an investigation. Together, they will discover a maze of tunnels, a hostile underworld filled with hypnotic music and populated by a clandestine group of adults, all beneath their seemingly idyllic suburbs. To save their community and themselves, the teens will need to capture the conspiracy on camera and prove its existence to the world. Up to four players will sneak out of their homes and go on surveillance missions filled with procedurally generated elements, including variable objectives, enemy encounters, loot drops, low loot drops, and more. Every night will be a different adventure as the team seeks out additional clues and explores new parts of their neighborhood and its ominous underbelly. The club must trust no one as they get closer to finding out what happened to their missing friend and the cause of their uncontrollable blackouts. Surviving the dangers of night will require intelligence, improvisation, and skill. Sleepwalking adults that could be their neighbors or relatives now seek to drag them underground. Players must create and coordinate diversions and use other tactics to break the enemy's vice-like grip. The last player left standing must avoid attracting the attention of an even more dangerous entity, one that pursues its prey relentlessly, one that can't be seen with open eyes. Player characters will be customizable with a variety of powers and equipment loadouts. Every member of the group will play a distinct role and utilize devices like drones or deployable traps to outwit their foes and gather evidence of their crimes. When the mission is complete, players will head back to the hideout where they can level up and acquire new abilities for use on future outings. Um, dude, this sounds really cool to me. It has a very it Stranger Things yes. kind of vibe to it. Yes, I'm not sure how I feel about the loot drops. I'm hoping, I'm hoping loot drops is is used in a term like kind of like Destiny loot drops, where it's just stuff that you can equip, not loot boxes. I don't want loot boxes. Um, we do have a trailer to watch for this tomorrow on Game Oracles as well. So join it's, us. Yeah, I, I'm intrigued. Yeah, I think this is a game that me, you, and Justin could probably have a blast playing together as well because it's, it sounds like it would work out well now that you have a PC. We can actually start getting some of these things on PC and not have to worry about it. So, Because sure. it's, it's so much easier because Justin is a PC gamer. So, um, Our final game announcement is one that's going to really speak to your soul here. Cyan, the studio behind Mist and Abduction, has announced Firmament, a steampunk adventure game for unannounced platforms. From Cyan, the indie studio that brought you Mist and Abduction, comes a new steampunk adventure. The game of Firmament is a resplendent magical journey, a monumental voyage through four diverse and curious realms, working in concert with an ever-present clockwork companion and the support and instruction of a long-dead ethereal mentor. Everything is not as it seems. According to the YouTube description and the teaser trailer, Firmament will have some VR elements within it as well, which I know your PC can include. Your PC is powerful enough to do VR as well. Yeah, um, I have the little hookups over here. I'm ready for it. Yeah, so uh, we as do have a trailer. As soon as Brian buys me a Vive, we're set. Exactly. Uh, not happening. Uh, we do have a trailer to watch I'll this tomorrow. I'll settle for the Oculus Rift, I guess. <laughs> Set up for the PlayStation VR and like it. 
Um, <laughs> no, we have a trailer to watch for this one tomorrow on Game Oracles as well. So I, I really think this is going to be a game you're going to love because I know how much you'd like Mist. We actually talked about it last week in our Retro Game Rewind. So my favorite games of all time. Yeah. We actually have some sales to talk about this week. Total worldwide sales for Horizon Zero Dawn. Speaking of, how you doing in that game, man? I feel like you haven't played it in about... Uh, I've got a, you I've got a play- little further notes. You haven't played it in about seven months, <laughs> which is about how many of the games sold. Total worldwide sales for Horizon Zero Dawn have surpassed 7.6 million units worldwide, making it the best-selling new first-party franchise on PlayStation 4, which is actually really freaking cool because the game 100,000% deserves it. It's so good. I'm so mad that you haven't finished this game yet. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, Ryan. I got so many things going on, but I will be there. Aloy, I, I believe in you. We're, we're, we're going to kill these dinosaurs. So mad. <laughs> um, let's talk about some teases and leaks because we have a few this week. We've got four, actually. Actually, no, we've got five teases and leaks to talk about this week, which is pretty crazy. Um, Mary Skelter 2 is supposedly in development for PlayStation 4 and is going to launch on June 28th over in Japan. Uh, this is being leaked by Dummy Packaging, which was uh, sent to some of the stores over in Japan. Mary Skelter was that um, first-person dungeon crawler that released on PlayStation Vita kind of like in the fall of last year that I actually had a code for while we were playing. Um, you know, Mary Skelter is an interesting game. Obviously, I'm not a hu- huge fan of first-person dungeon crawlers, but this one definitely had like a more of a horror element to it, and it actually was really cool. We've actually watched a couple trailers. I, was say, game it, it, well. I, say, I remember the trailers. It yeah. actually pretty interesting. So they're doing the next game on PS4, which is actually pretty interesting, um, and, and I, I, I kind of like that. So uh, we'll have to see if this comes to fruition. It does sound like, um, you know, CompileHeart did confirm this in a, in a tweet because the leak already came out, so they did confirm that they are working on it. But it, nothing's really known about it yet, so it's still pretty much just a tease because we don't know what it is. Um, Square Enix has trademarked something interesting over in Japan, and that's Idle Fantasy. The trademark would seem to suggest Square Enix is planning or considering crossing its main franchise, Final Fantasy, with Japanese idols. Either that or it is just a new game simply using the word fantasy in it. So um, it also be, yeah. yeah, so we'll just have to see what it is. But uh, obviously Square Enix has not been opposed to putting idols in the Final Fantasy games in the past. All you have to do is look at Final Fantasy X-2 to see that uh, because, you know, they, those three girls um, were basically Japanese pop idols in that game. Even even though it was the same, you know, the same girl from uh, the original game, but uh, they just had her look a little bit differently in the in the sequel, which was OK. I liked it. The dress fear system I thought was pretty cool. I'm excited for you to check that one out, too, when we get to it and revisiting the classics. The Amazon product page for the Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare Volume 2 comic book due out on September 25th may have leaked the existence of a Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare 3. The description reads, Garden Warfare returns to Neighborville. Paul Tobin returns to write the official comic book bridge between video games Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare 2 and Plants vs. Zombie Garden Warfare 3. So they're basically telling you in the description here that Garden Warfare 3 is in development. I'm sure we're going to see this at E3. Do you, uh, do, do you play these games? I do, actually. I do not. Uh, I'm not a big tower defense guy, but Neither am I. Plants vs. Zombies is actually pretty fun. <laughs> Jessica and I played it. Uh, there was a free weekend of it on, um, on. I think it may have been on PlayStation 4 even. When, when the original came to PS4, I think there was a free weekend. I downloaded it. We checked it out. But that's all I've played of Plants vs. Zombies. I am not a tower defense guy in any means. So I uh, it's, it's, yeah, Trust me, it's not, it's not my bag, but it was actually pretty fun. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um... The next entry in the Battlefield series is supposedly called Battlefield 5 and will return the series to World War II, much like Call of Duty did last year, for the first time since 2009's Battlefield 1943, according to sources over at VentureBeat. 
Internally, the project was once known as Battlefield 2. However, this is an entirely new game and not a remaster of 2005's Battlefield 2. According to VentureBeat, EA will reveal Battlefield 5 soon, so before E3, and it will launch before the end of the year. Electronic Arts themselves already announced that a new Battlefield game will launch later in October. Uh, VentureBeat also noted that while a Battlefield Dodge Company 3 will not happen anytime soon, EA is keeping the potential sequel in its back pocket in case it needs to make a strategic shift in the future. I would welcome a Bad Company 3. I freaking love the Bad Company franchise of Battlefield. I thought those were such good games. Battlefield games in general were good. They are. Battlefield is usually I'm I'm glad glad they're going back. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be cool. Obviously, last year's, uh, or no, two years ago with uh, World War I, that was interesting. But, um, you know, now we're going back to World War II. So our last tease this week, and this is my favorite tease this week. Square Enix has released a preview trailer for Valkyrie Profile Leneth, dubbed First Teaser Trailer 2018. It is not clear what exactly the teaser trailer is for. Valkyrie Profile Leneth is a 2006 re-released PlayStation Portable port of the 1999 released PlayStation title Valkyrie Profile. So Valkyrie Profile Leneth is an already remastered version of the original Valkyrie Profile on PlayStation that was released on PSP. It's a remaster of a remaster? Yes. The description of the video reads, In 2018, the goddess descends. The Japanese text in the trailer reads, You have the right to live. I am a selector of souls. I choose human souls like I'm picking flowers. What is a Valkyrie? Am I a god of death? A Twitter account was also launched. The first tweet simply reads, starting today, we will share information on Valkyrie Profile Leneth. Hashtag first tweet, hashtag Valkyrie Profile, hashtag VP Leneth. It is possible Square Enix is planning to a re-release of Valkyrie Profile Leneth for current gen platforms, PC, and or mobile. However, that is only speculation as the company did not release any additional information. We do have the teaser trailer to watch for this tomorrow on Game Oracles, so check it out with us. Uh, and, And this is interesting to me because... Um, it's something I didn't mention in the news. Square Enix kind of shadow dropped um, secret, not secret of mana, shadow dropped uh, Chrono Trigger on Steam this past week. Yeah. Uh, without announcing it at all. So they just shadow dropped that on there. So I really feel like Square Enix is kind of releasing some of their titles in, in spurts with obviously secret of mana HD there. I think they're doing this to really gauge interest to see what sells and what doesn't and what they should maybe focus on for new games. So if secret of mana HD sells well, maybe we're going to get an entirely new mana game on PlayStation four. If Chrono Trigger sells well on, on Steam, which I'm sure it's going to, maybe that will convince Square Enix that we need a new Chrono game. If Valkyrie Profile Leneth sells well on PS4, if this is a current-gen remaster, maybe we'll actually get a new Valkyrie Profile game. So I implore everyone listening, if you really want new games from Square Enix, Square Enix is kind of a, uh, they're, they're kind of a, a tease when it comes to this, and they're kind of, you know, set in their ways, and they only like to release things if they know it's going to sell. So if you really want new games in these franchises, I implore you, go out and support these games. Buy these games multiple tell times. Them, <laughs> t- tell them we want a full remake of Final Fantasy IV in full HD. 3D. I think I'd prefer six first, and wait till wait till you play six before you actually ask for four. <laughs> Let's talk some random news. Graffiti Games, a newly formed independent video game publisher, has announced that it will fund and publish three new titles from developers 13AM Games, Serenity Forge, and Space Mace Games, due out for various platforms in 2018. The veteran team at Graffiti Games has more than 50 years of experience in successfully positioning and launching titles on various platforms, and aims to use that experience to create efficient and effective programs for its developing partners. Uh, so that's pretty cool. So basically, we have a new indie studio coming into the indie publishing studio coming into the mix to start helping some of these smaller studios get their games out. So that's kind of cool. I like that. I'm always down for you know other other bigger studios that have the funds to help out. I think that's a pretty cool move. 
Overwatch is going to add its 27th playable hero character with Jesus the Christ. new character Bridget. <laughs> Blizzard Entertainment announced earlier this past week. Bridget is available for testing now on the public test region of the PC version of Overwatch. Uh, Bridget's overview, um, her occupation is an engineer and adventurer. Her base of operations is Gothenburg, Sweden, and her affiliation, she does not have one. Um, so it'll be cool. Her her support, she's a support role. So she's basically going to be a support character, which is kind of cool. Uh, Difficulty-wise, she's only rated one star, so she's definitely an easy character to get into. She's she's a character that they recommend for um you know for newcomers to check out and she has multiple abilities she's got rocket fail she's got repair pack she's got whip shot barrier shield shield bash and rally uh she sounds kind of cool we have her uh origin story trailer to watch for tomorrow on game oracles so we'll be able to see a little bit of bridget tomorrow on game oracles so check it out she's from sweden so i like that and then (laughs) our last little bit of news this week is something that's extremely exciting Detroit Become Human is going to launch for PlayStation 4 on May 25th. Publisher Sony Interactive Entertainment and developer Quantic Dream announced earlier this week. Uh, Obviously, as everyone that watches our podcast and Game Oracles and our reaction videos know, you and I are extremely excited for Detroit Become Human. Oh my god, how awesome is the box art? Yes, I know. The box art is insane looking. Um, But uh, I am excited to see how this game is and I am excited to stream this on Twitch because this is a game that I'm going to focus on for Twitch for multiple playthroughs I think because there's so many different ways you can play this game what was the name of the bad guy Roy Todd Todd Todd's gonna die remember he's the one that uh, hurt his kid Todd in the in that trailer. yeah yeah I'm gonna blow his freaking brains out just you <laughs> wait uh yeah dude I can't wait for uh, Detroit I'm gonna, I'm gonna psychologically scar his kid for the things I'm gonna do to this guy <laughs> Jesus but as always Detroit Become Human launches on May 25th. Let's talk about what's releasing this week in the new releases for the week of May. God, why do I keep doing that? In the new releases for the week of March 5th. We're going to kick things off with a game called Bravo Team coming to PlayStation 4 tomorrow, uh, March 6th. I keep wanting to say May, March 6th. Bravo Team is set in a fictional modern day Eastern European city. When your escort mission goes wrong, a country threatens to tear itself apart and your team along with it. Teamwork is at the core of the game. Bravo Team has been developed to allow both single-player and online two-player co-op, where you and your teammate must use everything at your disposal to survive. Communication is essential. Should you split up, who takes that weapon? What can you see? Together, you'll need to work out a strategy to succeed and make your escape. Um, this is a... Looks like it's, uh, it is a VR-compatible game. I don't know if it's only exclusive to VR, but it is VR-compatible. Um, I think it is VR-only, if I'm not mistaken. And this is developed by Supermassive. So obviously we know Supermassive is a good team because they're the one that did um, Until Dawn. So Supermassive doing some some PlayStation VR stuff because we just saw that with The Inpatient as well. The uh, the prequel to Until Dawn, which I'm hoping actually drops the VR requirements at some point so I can play it. <laughs> uh, our next game to talk about also tomorrow, March 6th, coming to PC, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. A game called Fear Effect Sedna. Thrilling action and stealth gameplay enhanced by the fear system, an exciting story and ultra stylish cutscenes. Harness your team's dynamic abilities to tackle enemies and puzzles like never before. Fear Effect, that was a game, was it not? I don't think so. Yes, it was. I know Fear Factory. No. Fear Effect, yeah. Fear Effect launched on PlayStation, original PlayStation in 1999. Um, on February 24th, well, February 24th, 2000 here in North America was Fear Effect on, on PlayStation. It was developed by uh, Kronos Digital Entertainment and published by IDOS Interactive. 
Uh, Fear Effect Sedna, it, it does look like it starts the same characters, which is why I kind of thought it was the same game. Um, but it's um, it's more like a cartoony aesthetic to it. It's more top-down. So I think this is just a different take on, on the game, but I don't know if it's a sequel or not. I'm not sure. I actually, kinda, I'm looking at the picture right now. I kind of dig the art style. Yeah, the art style's not bad. The art style's not bad. So definitely keep an eye on that. And obviously, it's part of the Fear Effect franchise, which is pretty cool. I haven't seen that in a while. Also tomorrow, a big game coming to PC, Final Fantasy XV Windows Edition. Take the journey now in ultimate quality. Boasting a wealth of bonus content and supporting ultra-high-resolution graphical options in HDR10, you can now enjoy the beautiful and carefully crafted experience of Final Fantasy XV like never before. And obviously, if you get the Royal Edition, it comes with all the DLC as well. Um, Justin did download the demo of this because there's a demo on Steam. Now, am I, am I mistaken? Isn't this, isn't this a special version come with the Half-Life... It does. Yeah, it yeah. comes with the Half-Life costumes. It comes with some Sims 4 costumes. It comes with a lot of different costumes. Um, but no, Justin downloaded the demo on, on Steam, and he tweaked the settings to really take advantage of his monitor because he's got, like, a giant 38-inch monitor. Um, you know, full, full HDR, you know, can run nice. 4K games, so he tweaked the settings to get it to run. He said he, the game has never looked as good. It's one of the best-looking games on PC. So, um, you know, he's definitely, definitely going to probably be picking up the PC version, as I'm going to as well, because this game looks incredible on PC. Also tomorrow, March 6th, coming to PlayStation 4, a game called Frantics, which I think we may have seen a trailer for on a past episode of uh, Game Oracles. Frantics is all about 15 wacky minigames for up to four players, where you're competing in everything from frantic action arena brawls to strategic turn-based competitions. Exclusive to PS4, this PlayLink game challenges you to win more crowns than your friends. Put your DualShock 4 wireless controller to the side. Here, you simply use your smart device to swipe, tilt, shake, flick, and snap your way to victory. Anyone can play. But beware, the scheming and manipulative fox is on hand to stir up the pot. Using bribery and relaying secret messages and missions to each player via their mobile device, you're encouraged to sabotage and backstab your rivals at every turn. With this crafty Volpine's tomfoolery changing the way you play at any time, you'll need to have your wits about you to triumph. This sounds pretty neat. That sounds pretty cool. I like that. I like that mechanic where, you know, there's a there's an entity kind of going to your friends on their phone and telling them, you know, oh, you know, you should turn on your back on this person. That's kind of cool. I like that. Kill Brian. No, don't do that. <laughs> Our last game on March 6th tomorrow coming to Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. A game I'm definitely getting. Scribblenauts Showdown. Use your imagination and go ahead and go head to head in the ultimate multiplayer showdown. Enjoy a party-style Scribblenauts experience, conjuring from over 35,000 objects from the vast Scribblenauts dictionary to outsmart your opponent in over 25 minigames. Play solo or with up to four of your friends in showdown mode and imagine your way to victory through card-based strategy and creative skill. Face off against a friend or the CPU in versus mode, go nuts in the sandbox, create anything in eight different sandbox levels and watch what happens, solo or with a friend, and create your own Scribblenaut by unlocking hundreds of wacky costume pieces and vehicles. Uh, Jessica and I are gonna have a blast playing this game. We we always I have may, fun playing Scribble. I may pick it up as well, just so I can destroy you. Yeah, we always have fun playing Scribble. I think that'll be because, fun. because I will I will summon Cthulhu and it will happen. You always do. You always try to anyway. I do. I, 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 the first thing I did when I actually picked the game up first time was is, is make him. Was, was was I actually got the Necronomicon? Okay. It was raising the dead. I was like, okay, this is a game I can get into. That's funny, dude. That's actually really really funny. That's humorous. Um. We got one more game to talk about this release this week releasing March 8th, which is Thursday, coming to PC, Warhammer of Vermintide 2. The sequel to the critically acclaimed Vermintide is a visually stunning and groundbreaking melee action game pushing the boundaries of the first-person co-op genre. Join the fight now. 
Pick of the also, week. Also, also on my wish list. <laughs> is it? Nice. Yes, it is. Um, pick of the week. What are you going to go with? Ooh. Mutant Year, uh, Mutant Year Zero. That's not coming out this week. No? Oh, no. that's okay. Then, then Warhammer. Because uh, I, okay. I'm definitely excited. Okay. I, it's, it's, it's rated pretty high on uh, Steam. Mm -hmm. they've, they've, they've been hyping this up for, for quite a while now. Yeah. I'm going to kill. I'm going to go uh, Scribble Not Showdown as my pick of the week this week. Really? Yeah. I'm definitely looking like forward to that. I, I do like Mr. Scribble Nuts, though. So. Yeah, I am definitely looking forward to that. But uh, I do think it's now time for podcast intermission. We will be right back. For today's podcast intermission, we're going to be taking a look at our show, Glow. It's a podcast dedicated to professional wrestling every Thursday. Recently, Valina and I discussed Ronda Rousey's WWE contract signing at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. Let's take a listen. After that, we had the Ronda Rousey contract signing. So right. So with this, take, take I it mean, away. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna hate on it, honestly. No, um, that's as fine. much people hated it. Mm -hmm. For me, it's what I kind of expected. Although sure. I will say, she was very awkwardly uncomfortable on that microphone. She was very nervous. You ain't I guess that was like you know jitters or whatnot because it was a pay per view and it was in Vegas. So. You, you know Vegas is very synonymous with MMA and right. so obviously there's a lot of MMA fans there so it was obviously very uncomfortable for her it seemed um, what really was weird to me was Triple H oh that jump when she put him <laughs> through the table he yeah. like jumped up and she just like put him through but it was just quite bad I will say though Rousey is a legit fighter she is very strong she is very tough but right. I mean, it just looked really bad on TV. Maybe it looked better in person, but on TV, it didn't look that well. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, we are getting Kurt and Ronda versus Triple yeah. H and Stephanie. Yeah. And honestly, here's the thing. I actually changed my mind about this. Okay. I thought about this long and hard, and I thought, why would they hotshot Ronda Rousey to a women's title match right away at Mania? Mm -hmm. Yes, obviously, it's an attraction. It's a draw. People would watch just because she's already in the title picture. But let's be honest she's green as grass still probably yeah. right so who better to work with than um the you know the daughter of the company which is stephanie mcmahon yeah you and, know, and two and two big. of the better male wrestlers of all time angle and triple h oh absolutely yeah. but i mean i'm talking about stephanie because i don't think she's right. gonna rust triple h no. because you know they don't want that anymore but i will say though Obviously, Stephanie is the one where, okay, God forbid she does get injured. It's not like she's injuring Lana or just someone just someone else like in the women's sure. division. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So I, I guess they feel most comfortable with Stephanie because, you know, obviously she's McMahon. So, yeah. Um, but I also feel like you can also look at it this as like, oh, she wants this for her ego. Like mm -hmm. a lot of my own like local friends say, why the hell do you – uh, Triple H always need a match at Mania, you know? Yeah. I so. I, think he, I think he should be there, though. I mean, like, I feel like he's big enough to actually have a match at Mania. Obviously, he's big enough. Um, I don't think he needs to be there every single year. I think it would be fun if it's some years he's there, some years he's not. I don't know. I right. mean, his NXT is his baby, and I mean, I prefer NXT, so sure, that's sure. where my heart is. Sure. But I mean, I still love the main roster. I just don't love the booking. But, you know, Kurt Angle, obviously, kind of throwback to his Attitude Era days where he was so goofy. That's what this promo was, in my opinion. Yes. Um, Stephanie, yes. obviously, bitch slaps Ronda. Ronda looks like she's going to murder Stephanie. So yeah. basically, we're going to get, you know, obviously, they want to save that for Mania. 
Ronda's gonna destroy Stephanie, you guys. So right, no, she definitely will, and it'll 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 be a fun match. I don't know that it'll be a good match, but it'll be a fun match. I want to hope for the best as a positive person. I hope that Ronda is better than what we're all thinking. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. If you like what you heard, it can be found on your favorite podcast app of choice by simply searching Level Down Games or Glow. It can also be found on our YouTube channel. And now, back to more Max Level. And we're back. And we've actually got a, uh, a double main discussion this week. So again, when we actually have a... Uh, a review to do in the episode. We're going to have a double main discussion, two smaller ones, one of them being the review, one of them being the uh, the other main discussion that we're going to do, like our normal main discussions. So we're going to kick things off this week with our official Level Down Games review of Kingdom Come Deliverance. And I know this is a game that both you and I have been playing, and this is obviously, again, the first time that we're going to do something like this for, for the review. So uh, give us feedback. Let us know if you like this format. Let us know. We're, like I said, not every review is going to be done this way. We're going to do some reviews in the podcast, some reviews outside of the podcast, some reviews will still get text, some will only be video. We're going to have different ways that we do our reviews um, just because we're trying to do different things with different games. Kingdom Come Deliverance, though, being, the, being a game that you and I have been playing together, I think it, it makes sense for us to, uh, to do this together. So let's just see how it goes. Uh, Kingdom Come Deliverance obviously is a game that is set in 1403 Bohemia, and it's based on a lot of real life things that were going on back then. And the first thing that you notice when you open up this game, uh, when you first boot it up, is that uh, it may not actually run as smoothly as you want it to. So, and that's something that if you listened a few weeks back when we first started playing Kingdom Come Deliverance, you and I talked about that in the What We've Been Playing section on our Max Level podcast. Um, You know, the the game is a little little sluggish at times. The game definitely has some latency issue. The game has some frame rate issues. But uh, overall... It's not terrible. Like, it doesn't really take away from the overall enjoyment of the game too much. It's noticeable. It's very, very, very noticeable. But it doesn't really take away from the game as much as you think it would. And I don't know how it runs on PC. Obviously, we did review the PlayStation 4 version. That's the version that both you and I played. So it may run better on PC. It may not. From some things I've seen from other content creators, it doesn't necessarily run as well on PC as it probably should, but I assume it runs better than it does on PlayStation 4. I'm assuming it runs better for me than it does for you because you played the original PlayStation version. I played it on the PlayStation 4. Um, I'm sorry, on the PS4 Pro. Pro yeah, Pro, on yeah. the Pro, which which obviously does have a little bit more power behind it. So I'm just, I'm assuming maybe your copy may have ran a little bit even worse than mine. It, it, there, there were times it was definitely a little choppy. Yeah. A little, little laggy, if you will. Right. But but like I said, again, I don't think that uh, I don't think that definitely takes away from from the game, because at first glance, you you, you know, you really have to compare these games to two juggernauts in the franchise. Um, you know, the open world Western RPG franchise, and that's Skyrim and The Witcher. I mean, this game, obviously, you know, the, the first thing you notice, you know, how similar it looks to The Witcher 3. Um, obviously, The Witcher 3 is not set in the real world. It's not set in 1403. It's not grounded in, in actually events that happened. But it is a fantastical adventure. It is, you know, set in medieval fantasy, much like Kingdom Come Deliverance is. So, um, you know, you, you have to compare it to that and you have to, you know, you could see that Kingdom Come Deliverance, this is the first game that Warhorse Studios developed, which is pretty impressive for their first game, which was funded on Kickstarter. So I would say, dude, this game is freaking gorgeous. This game is absolutely gorgeous. Um, you know, my, my jaw dropped many times when playing this game. Like, you know, you're, you're riding on your horse and you go up over the hill. 
and you just see this sprawling forest down below you and you see like the stream of water running through and it looks good. It looks really, really, really good. Like there's no, you know, like there's no uh, drop ins. There's nothing fading in as you're moving. Everything already loads. Obviously, when the game first loads, sometimes there's some texture issues, you know, before the actual things actually finish loading. But once they actually load and things are there. You know, you're not having things pop in on the screen at you as you're running by like some you would get on some of the older generation games. Um, this game is freaking good, man. And, and I really like uh, I really like what Warhorse Studios was able to do with the graphics. Um, one thing I'm not a huge fan of, I don't like first person games that much. So, really? yeah. So Kingdom Come Deliverance obviously is a, a first person game, much like Skyrim, which is why I like um, The Witcher so much, because The Witcher is third person. So I really like a third person game more than a first person. But again, that's something that doesn't take away my enjoyment of the game. I still have a lot of fun playing Kingdom Deliverance. I'm still going back and doing things because, you know, there's a lot of things to do in this game. A lot of side quests that you can do, a lot of things that may not, you know, that are off the, the beaten path, so to speak. You know, you have to really travel and go find this kind of stuff to do it. And uh, I, I, I'm still going back to it. And I, I'm not 100 percent done with the game. I'm not. I'm, I mean, I'll, I'll say that now. I'm, I, and I don't know that I ever will be just because there's so much to do and. I don't know that I can ever I, I'm, I'm not even 100 percent done with The Witcher 3 and I, I put that game over 300 hours into that game. You know, every time I randomly go back and fire that up just to kind of get back into that world and play as Geralt and I find things that I missed or I find things that I didn't even know were there. So I don't think I'll ever be 100 percent done with The Witcher 3, just like I'll never 100 percent 100 percent be done with Kingdom Come Deliverance. But, um, you know, the, again, this game is grounded in reality. So there's no dragons. There's no magic. You know, you're not this grand savior trying to go out and, and save the world. You're just a normal dude. You're a normal guy. You're the who, son of a blacksmith. <laughs> yeah, you are. That's exactly what you are. You are the son of a blacksmith. You start out the game. You know, you're you're hanging out with your friends at a tavern. You go out. You're throwing poop on some guy's house because he's talking bad about the king. Um, you know, you're going and collecting these things for, for your dad. And obviously we're not going to, we're going to avoid spoilers, you know, story spoilers here for what happened. So we're not really going to kind of dive too much into, uh, story elements, just, uh, you know, a review shouldn't really spoil things. So we're kind of just going over some gameplay elements here and some general generalities about the game. But, um, you know, things happen and it sets Henry on this, you know, revenge story, so to speak. It, it, it is a story of revenge. It is. But, um, at the same time, it's almost like a real life simulator because and I told you this last week when we were talking about it, when I was talking about playing Kingdom Come Deliverance and how I was having more fun with it now and how I, how I actually started to enjoy it more because we definitely had a lot of bad and negative things to say about the game the first week. Well, you didn't play it last week. The second, you know, I, I still talked about it last week, though, and I told you that I'm actually playing this game as if I was Henry living in 1403 and going out there. And, you know, like I, like I said, you know, Henry wouldn't know that there's a side quest over here in this random shack like he's not going to see this exclamation point hovering in the air and know that something's over there so i'm literally following the main story as henry would be you know he okay you know if he says okay well i need to get to this town someone tells him you know you have to go to this town because that's where you're going to find your next thing so henry in his mind is thinking okay i need to go to this town so i went to that town as i'm walking down the path because you know as you can't fast travel somewhere until you've already been there originally yeah so you know you either have to ride on a horse which takes a while or walk which takes even longer i mean this game is big it's a big open world game and uh walking distance wise throughout this game dude it takes uh if you go from one town to another without a horse 
10, 20 minutes between towns, which is crazy. That's like that. There's there's massive gaps between these towns and these settlements, which is really, really cool, though, when you think about it. It's it's nice to see a game that's actually to scale. Yeah, you know, it's, it's really it's as close to scale as you can get for a game. It really is. And um, every time you go to a new place, you get this like, you know, codex that pops up in your thing where you can actually read about it and what happened. I started even looking at like Google Maps to see where these places are, because, you know, um, Modern day Bohemia is the Czech Republic. It's the is the left uh, the western half of the Czech the Czech Republic. That's what Bohemia was. So I'm going in there and looking at um, you know some of these towns that still exist in the Czech Republic to see how close they actually are in proximity to one another. And it's they, they, the studio did good, man. Warhorse Studio did good. They they did really really good with this. Um, but but you know if I pass by something and I see a exclamation point over something to know there's a side quest there. I'm assuming that Henry would possibly notice something that would kind of catch his eye to go check that out. So if you I'm walking past... You wouldn't notice an exclamation point over someone's head when you're walking by? Well, yes, of course I would. <laughs> <laughs> but that's when I'm going out and picking up these side quests. I'm not going out of my way to do that because, again, I don't think Henry would do that. And I'm just living... I'm playing the game as if I was Henry living my life in 1403. And it's actually made my enjoyment of this game actually really, really good. Um, but, but, I mean, like... You know, you would think that uh, and, and it, this is a game that I've always wanted because you're doing these mundane tasks like you literally are. OK, I have to go fight this guy like I, I got to enter the brawl because I need some money. So I'm going to go fight this guy or, you know, you, there's there's a point in the game where you get tasked with uh, being a a watchman in this town and you have to don a helmet and, you know, the appropriate gear and you walk around the town and you literally check on things like you're literally walking through the town and, you, you know, you see a fight like, hey, you go break up this fight or you have to go close the tavern at nine o'clock. Like it's literally just it is a life simulator, so to speak. It really, really is. You are simulating Henry's life. And uh, it, it's it's actually really cool because at this point in the game, Obviously, Bohemia being the area now known as the Czech Republic. This is during in 1403. They were in this war with Hungary. And, you know, they these people that are invading them and, and, uh, and trying to take over their land. They are from Hungary and they've never heard this language before. So that's why they're not sure where they're from and all this. And um, things just get really hectic from there, man. It is a war story as well, obviously. I mean, as you could tell from some of the trailers that we watched and, you know, some of the uh, some of the impressions that we've had of the game already. This this game is, is deeply grounded in, in war, which is cool. But um, I, I think we have to talk about the combat here a little bit because the combat is, again, it's very realistic and almost to the point where I would say it's too realistic. So, yeah, you, you have to, um, you know, you, you have to time your swings correctly. You have to when, when you're actually attacking somebody with your fist, hand, hand to hand combat is rarely challenging. I'll just say that right now. Hand to hand combat is extremely challenging and it's uh, it's almost hard to win even as you level up. Uh, but it is possible. You just have to kind of run circles around your opponent, which, again, that's probably what I would do if I was in a fight. I would just try to run circles around an entire amount and then just kind of land punches here and there. But um, when you're fighting with a sword or with a spear or something like that, it definitely is a little bit easier. But again, you you know, when you're targeting someone with a sword equipped, you have these different points of directions that you can attack from, you know, the left, uh, you know, the, the north, the east, the south. And you have the, the diagonals as well. And, um, you know, you have to basically attack from a side that they're not blocking on. So, like, if your opponent has a sword on the right side, you need to try to attack on the left side. But your opponent will counter you a good majority of the time. So you really have to get strategic 
strategic with the battles. And there are, um, you know, there are moves that you can do later in the game. They, they kind of open up after like five or six hours where you can charge up an attack. Say you charge up an overhead attack, but then you switch on your on the directional pad or on, I'm sorry, on the uh, the analog stick down like to maybe to the bottom. So you start to swing high, but then you switch mid attack and attack low to confuse your opponent. And that's pretty much how I've been winning every single fight now. I'm just using these trickery moves because when you try to just fight normal, um, the, the game is almost too realistic. Um, luckily you automatically lock on to your, uh, to opponents when you're fighting at a one-on-one -on -one thing. If you're fighting more than one, you do have to pick one, but you just have to kind of, uh, kind of face them to, to lock on. You don't have to really do anything to lock on. You can also stab with your swords too, or other weapons. Like you can stab with one. I think it's the, the R1 button on PS4 stabs and the R2 button is the, uh, the regular attack, the slash. So you can also stab, which, which definitely helps to try to create some distance between you and your opponent because they'll kind of fall back a little bit if you do stab them. Um, Combat obviously gets easier later in the game, but for the for probably over over half this game, combat is challenging. Um, I, I, I was having a hard time with it, to be quite honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. Every every aspect from armed to unarmed. Right. Yeah. Uh, unarmed. I lost. I lost my first fight in a heartbeat. I know. Yeah. You told me that we played when the first first week we talked about it. How and I actually did win that fight, but again, I just literally ran circles around the guy in order to uh, in order to actually overcome that one. Um. You know. The combat's fun at times. You know, some of the battles are fun. Obviously, as you get later into the game and the war really starts to escalate, you get these giant man, you know, these multi-man battles, you know, these giant one side on the other rushing at each other. And it's, it's very much like you would think as, as a war setting, you know, back in the 1400s. Uh, they, you, war Horse Studios actually really captured that well. So I like that. But, um, you know, again, some of the early aspects of the game when you're fighting and you're just learning how to do things, it's definitely challenging and it's almost too realistic. Um, and, and there's really nothing you can do to separate yourself besides stabbing. You know, you have no crowd control options. You can't do anything to try to stop them from attacking you. And, uh, yeah, it, it's crazy. Um, one thing I like about the game as well is the different ways you can utilize your communication skills and, and to overcome pretty much anything. So you have multiple ways that you can communicate with people. You can be nice and sympathetic. You can actually kind of be like appeal to your status, so to speak, as, as what you are at in the world. Or you can try to be aggressive and, and try to t intimidate them. And you, you'll be able to tell by, you know, the uh, the icon that you're selecting, which one is which. Um, so there's a good chance that uh, if you level up your communication skills, you can pretty much talk you out of anything, which is what I've been doing for the most part. That's the way I built my character was. Yeah, he's a, char he's a charmer. Yeah, exactly what I've been doing. So that I mean, that's exactly how I built my character, just because it is it does make the game. You know, you don't have to really uh, go out of your way to fight so many people. And, and, and I feel like that's kind of like how Henry would be anyway. If you if he was a real person and, you know, doing this, I feel like he would try to avoid some battles because he's not a fighter. Yeah, um, I'm a lover. Yeah, he's he, well, he's the son of a blacksmith, as you said. He's he's a he's a trade skill guy. So, you know, he wouldn't really be going out there and trying to get into all these different battles with people. He would probably try to use his smarts and his wits to get out of things. Another cool aspect about this game is that your appearance really does matter. So if you get in a fight with somebody and you have blood on your face and blood on your clothes, people will be more hesitant to talk to you, dude. Like they won't actually, um, you know, they won't want to interact with you because you look like you just got in a fight or just killed someone. And, and it's very, very true to real life. Would you yeah. talk to somebody who's covered in blood? Like it's... Yeah, you get kind of intimidated and scared. So, you know, you you randomly you always pass by these wash bins that you really should kind of take the time to wash your face every time you pass by one just in case something's on you. In order to wash your clothes, you do have to visit a bathhouse and pay to have your clothes washed in the laundry. Uh, you can also take a bath and you can engage in some sexual activity at these bathhouses as well if you if you choose to, but and spend the gold on it. Um 
that's another thing about Kingdom Come Deliverance is that there are romance options in this game. You could romance, uh, obviously, Teresa, you know, the uh, the the Miller's uh, the, the girl that works at the Miller that saves you. Um, one of the royal ladies, Stephanie, you can romance her. There's some witches later in the game that you can romance. So much like The Witcher 3, there's quite a bit of romance options in this game. And uh, there's no, there's nothing that says you can't romance them all. Like nothing bad happens if you do. But no, it's cool. And, and something else, obviously, along the same line of your, your cleanliness and how that affects things. You also have to maintain your hunger. You have to eat whenever you're hungry. You know, you, the game will tell you when, when Henry is hungry. Like he's, he'll, he'll start like feeling sluggish. He's like, man, I need to eat. So you need to eat. But if you overeat, he'll feel piggish and full and he won't really want to move around so you have to eat the right balance of food and then every night henry will get tired like he'll start to lose energy and he'll get sleepy so you do have to find a bed and hopefully you can just borrow one from somebody you know find one out in the wild that's not being used or or you could fast travel back to you back to where you actually have your bed and sleep but that does kind of take up some time so it's it's better just to find a bed in the area that you're at if it's nighttime and go to bed and, and by sleeping you get your um you know, you get your energy back by uh, by by eating food. You get more stamina back. So it, it definitely plays into your combat. It plays into your ability to run. Um, it, it plays into a lot of things. If you drink beer and alcohol in the game, that affects you as well. You can it's, get addicted it, it, to alcohol. It's very much like Fallout in a sense like that, where yeah, uh, if, yeah. you play on, if you play in survival mode. Yeah. So I, I really do enjoy that the whole dynamic. Absolutely. I, I don't like the save system. I really yeah, that's, that's where I was actually. That's what I was going to get to next. The save system because uh, the save system, while you know, at at the beginning of the game, that was one of my major complaints about it because the save system really it was at, at least in the the opening portion it was only saving um, at night, like when it was time to go to sleep, like it would save when you like went to bed, but. Um, as, as you progress a little bit later and, and further into the story, the game does autosave a lot more often, but it's still like, you know, a half hour to 40 minutes in between saves, which is quite a bit of time to lose if you die. The only other way to save is you have to drink these potions, which are one time use and, you know, they're hard to come by. So you really want to hang on to them until you, you know, you don't want to use one unless you absolutely have to stop playing and, and save your game. Like you really want to try to get to the next autosave before you stop playing these games every single session. So it's not a game you can jump in, jump out like you really do have to at least have an hour to sit down and play this game because it, it may take you about an hour to get to the next autosave. So you really want to make sure you have time to play this. If you can only play for 10 or 15 minutes, play something else because you don't want to keep using all of your all of your potions because exactly. you, you only get three to start the game and i've only found one more additional on top of that so i've only had four so far and i'm like almost 30 hours into this game <laughs> but again i'm not going out and trying to find them either because i'm just letting the game auto save i'm sure if you went out and actually tried to seek these things out you could probably find a little bit more but they're not meant to be um readily available like they, this the, the game is meant to be challenging the game is meant to be punishing so if you do you know you do something stupid you do have to lose time and like think about what you did and you know think about what you could do differently and that's that's something that the studio wanted to do um obviously with things that we've talked about here the game may sound really dull to some people because it basically is a life simulator but i'll, t I'll say right now the game's not dull uh, I, I really invested in the story. I like what's going on here. The the gameplay, there, there's a lot of bugs. You know, the, the game has its issues. Um, you know, even even so much as walking up a flight of stairs can be challenging sometimes because at one one time when I was trying to walk up the stairs, dude, they glitched and I couldn't actually move up the stairs like I could not progress up the stairs. So I had to go back down, try again. And I actually literally had to jump step by step up these stairs to get up the stairs. Unbelievable. So so the uh, the game definitely has a lot of glitches and a lot of bugs, but um, they, they don't appear often enough to really, you know, make me say this is a broken game. Cause I don't think this is a broken game at all. I just think it needed a little bit more polish before it was released. Um, but, but it is an accurate representation of what it was probably like to live in the middle ages. I really feel like this is probably the, the most realistic game we've had to date in, in terms of the middle ages. 
um, in, in, that, in that time period. I, I really can't think of one that's, um, that is more realistic than this and that's more grounded in reality. Maybe Medieval 2, but I'm stretching there. Yeah, but obviously with Medieval 2, that's more of a strategy game where it's just battle yeah. after battle. It's not really like a, a day-to-day life simulator. Yeah, like exactly. This, this, this is definitely something pretty unique. Yeah. And, and I like it, dude. I, I like that about it. Um, you know, I, I think with, with a little bit of changes here, this would be an excellent game. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think play-wise, this game, if you do everything, you probably get 50, 60 hours out of it. If you just focus on the main story, probably 30 hours. I'm already hovering around the 30-hour mark, and I've, I've been, but I've been doing some side stuff, and I've really been, you know, I've just been taking in the scenery. Like, I do walk from places sometimes just because I love looking at the scenery, and I love listening to the music. The music's really good in this game. I love the soundtrack. You know, it's definitely... Um, you know, it, it brings out the Middle Ages and actually check out BG Mania this week. We did a we did a BG Mania episode on the the, mid, the Middle Ages and, and medieval times because of this game. It inspired us to do this episode because I, I just I love this music. So, um, you know, the, I just like listen, walking through these towns and just listening to what's going on. I have a lot of fun. So I, I've been definitely taking my time um, score wise. I'm going to give this the official level down game score of a 70 out of 100. So seven out of 10. Uh, I, I don't think this is bad. I don't think it's broken. I don't think it deserves to be less than a seven, but I do think it could have been better. I do. Um, but I, but I still would recommend this game to anyone that actually wants a realistic medieval ages type of a game or anyone that enjoyed Skyrim and the Witcher. Give this a shot, dude, because you're probably, you can, you probably like it. Um, there's just a little bit of a learning curve and then obviously you just have to kind of get past some of the bugs. But as, as we move on, um, you know, I'm sure Warhorse Studios is going to be fixing these bugs as, as we go. So I, I can't imagine that they will be present in, throughout throughout the entire life cycle of this game. So maybe, you know, maybe wait for a sale or something like that. But uh, definitely don't don't uh, don't skip out on this game because of some of the negative things that have been floating out on uh, out there. I, I do think this is a good game and it's worth playing for fans of open world Western RPGs and especially for fans of The Witcher 3 and Skyrim. Absolutely uh, agree. Yeah, I, I definitely would give this a 70 out of 100. And I think that's uh, a score that's, you know, it, 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 it definitely earned that score. I, I think it did enough things right to get that high. But uh, yeah, we'll now move on to our second half of the main discussion. The review's already over, dude. Second half of the main discussion today on the Max Level Podcast. And we are going to talk about one of our favorite things here to talk about on the Max Level Podcast. And that's loot boxes. So the ESRB is taking some measures to address concerns about real money purchases in games going forward. And this is an article I found on GameSpot.com. So I'm going to read the article. Following last year's breaking point with loot boxes and recent moves by lawmakers to take action against them, the Entertainment Software Rating Board, ESRB, has announced a new label that will be affixed to select games that do include loot boxes. The overall goal is to inform consumers, and in particular parents, about which games offer a way to spend additional real-world money from right within the game itself, but whether it will be effective is unclear. The ESRB's new label, which will read In-Game Purchases, will be located near the rating category where, you know, E for everyone, M for mature, and T for teen, etc., but will not be housed inside the same box as current content descriptors like sexual content, comic mischief, violence, etc. This will be outside of that box so that it's more clearly visible. That So when people are looking at it and seeing the rating, you'll clearly see next to it if this game does include loot boxes and in-game purchases. The SRB expects games to begin arriving in stores with a new label in the very near future. This will coincide with the launch of a new website intended to inform parents about the ESRB's rating system, how in-game purchases work, and how to use parental tools to control what and how children play games. The new label will offer no specifics about the type of in-game purchases available so as to avoid overwhelming parents with too much information. 
Despite loot boxes being perceived as the most contentious element, ESRB president Patricia Vance says parents are not specifically concerned with those, but the broader potential for their children to spend money in general. As such, this label will cover not just loot boxes, but other forms of DLC like maps or purchases of in-game currency. This, of course, raises an obvious question. Isn't that every game nowadays? During a conference call with the ESRB attended by GameSpot, Patricia Vance drew a distinction between things that are offered in-game versus a traditional expansion pack or large DLC pack. However, she did say that if such content is offered in-game, it, it would necessitate the label being added to the box. This would seemingly include the vast majority of all games. As publishers increasingly focus on post-launch microtransactions, there are certainly few big-name games that don't offer any as players, you know, as, as they want to continue making more money after the games come out. So as to this, Vance would only say there are games that do not have in-game purchases. So um, and there are there are some and specifically um, some games by Nintendo don't. But even Nintendo is not getting into the uh, into the realm of offering in-game purchases for a majority of their games to try to extend their life. Um, I, I think this is an interesting thing. We're, we're just going to kind of briefly talk about this because um, I, I think this is a good thing. I think it's good to put this on the box to let people know that there are in-game purchases. But I agree with GameSpot in that it's pretty much going to be on every box, though, which kind of kind of defeats the purchase. Say, I mean, can you think of a big game that doesn't have any DLC? Uh, I mean, maybe most recently, look at the games I have. Everything has DLC. It does. Um, even even Madden had DLC. Right. I wonder. Okay, let's think of future games. Maybe God of War. God of War doesn't usually have DLC. That is that is a fact. Usually, it's not. Uh, th th there might be some downloadable there could skins be something, for this. But, yeah, but um, something like Detroit Become Human, unless they in, unless they uh, they release probably, additional they'll, they'll probably, they'll be story content. elements. Yeah, they could release that. But uh, even like I said, even with Nintendo now, if you look at Super Mario Odyssey, even though that was a free update, so I, I really Super Mario Odyssey. That was free update, so that wouldn't have that, that would be you know that wouldn't have that on the box. I mean, because I agree with them, like. Injustice 2 has my heart. We know that. Of course. Okay. But there's an option, you know, to, to unlock everything in the game, you have to spend real money. You could earn it, but it's going to take you years. Forever, forever, forever. So, same, thing, same thing with Street Fighter V. They say you can unlock everything for free. Right. Again, it, you, you'd have to play this game consistently for years to, to unlock these things for free. And we know this is all stemming from the backlash that EA had last year with uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2. Where, so, where they locked they locked a good portion behind the game mm -hmm. of so the behind uh, loot boxes. Yeah, so this is all basically coming from from them making a mistake with that. And uh, like I said, I, I I think this is a good move. I think it's smart, but at the same time, I don't know if it's going to be as effective as it should be because I really do feel like they should just be focusing on loot boxes as opposed to everything that you could be purchased in game because there are so many games that do include microtransactions now. I don't think an expansion pass should include, you know, should warrant having this content on the box. I don't think buying skins or buying map packs or something like that should warrant having this on the box. Destiny 2. Do you think Destiny 2 deserves a label then? See, because Destiny 2 has in-game silver, so you can actually spend real money to I unlock would say things yes. online. I would say yes. Destiny 2 should have it. But it's actual, but there's because, also actual because, expansions. Yes, I, the expansions don't warrant it, but because you can actually buy in-game currency to unlock things in the game, I think that is enough to warrant that being. I unlocked. think there should be two separate things. There should be, there should you know, be. there should be, Mike. There should be something saying in-game currency. Yeah, that's or, or something, something that alludes yeah, this, to the fact that there's real money. This game includes microtransactions. This game has in-game currency. This game does include loot boxes. Something like that. That that should be instead of just having a more broader term, they should definitely try to get uh, more because because. because 
a catch-all literally catches all, with the exception will, of, like will. I said, it will. two or three games here. Right, yeah. So I, I don't think this is going to be as effective as it could be or should be, but I do think this is a a, a good move and, 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 a, and a necessary step to try to combat loot boxes because obviously that's the whole goal here is we is you know we are trying to combat loot boxes and uh and try to get those to go away but uh so so it's a good first step but it's definitely not the uh not the not the last time we're gonna see this i i really do feel like something else will happen in the future where uh you know so, something else is gonna have to it's gonna have to be done because this is not gonna it's not gonna be enough this is not enough i'll tell you that right now this is not enough no but uh all right. Again, that was just another quick little bonus uh, discussion because I, I wanted to have a little bit more than just the Kingdom Come Deliverance review. But uh, let's move in to Retro Game Rewind. The Retro Game Rewind is pretty interesting, at least to okay. me. Okay. Um, because it's a very cyclical story, and you'll see what happens as we go through here. Okay. So the first video game system that I purchased myself with my own money was the Sega Genesis. Okay. Now, uh, Sega Genesis, I believe I got it in 93. So, because uh, the, the, game, the, the game that it was packed in with was Sonic 2 at the time. Okay. So, uh, I want to say 93, maybe even late 93. I was working my, for my father in his restaurant, and I saved my money, saved my money, finally bought myself the Sega Genesis packed in, and me and my sister were playing this game. Okay. And... Uh, this, was, this actually started off with me and Nicole, but this, this story isn't actually not about her. So it was her, her and I played this game. Sorry, Nicole, go, you're not important enough for this segment this week. But we go down, we go down the line, <laughs> and we get, yeah, uh, uh, we go a few few years into the future, and we're, we're talking like maybe '97 now. Okay. And the sister younger than uh, Nicole is Angela, and Angela and I are playing Sonic the Hedgehog 2 on the Sega Genesis. Okay. So is that the retro game this week, Sonic the Hedgehog 2? Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Okay. Okay. Now, in this game, good game. You play as, great game. Great game. Great game. <laughs> great you, game. you play as obviously Sonic the Hedgehog. But you don't play. You don't play as Mario. You could, uh, if you have a bunch of drugs. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, so you so you play as Sonic, but uh, a second player can play as Tails. So I always like playing as Tails more than Sonic. Now, but you can't play as Tails by yourself, so you right. have to play together. Right, you have to play as someone else. You have to play with somebody else to play as Tails. And as you've heard a thousand times before, if I'm playing a game, they always complain, Mommy's not letting me play, and I have to oblige. So, Angela's playing as Tails, I'm playing as Sonic. Because you are the blue speeder bomber. Or no, that's Mega Man, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> anybody, anybody who's ever played this game with a little brother or little sister, you know sure, that you just sure. leave them in the dust. I mean, there's nothing they can do about of it. Of course. <laughs> Tails can only spin his tail so fast. You're El Capitano, so yeah, I'm, I'm letting her attack bosses because whatever, she can't she can't die. She's doing mortal tails. Yeah. Miles miles per hour. Uh R.I.P. He was in our he was in our in memorum this, uh, this past year. <laughs> So she, she would constantly complain that I'm leaving her in the dust because, you know, she wants she wants to do things along with me as we're going. Mm-hmm. But I'm a jerk. Admittedly. Can I, can I say something real quick? Yes. I, I didn't realize when I first played this that Tails Miles Per Hour actually was a play on miles per hour. It took me years to actually realize that. I don't, yeah, know, like, how, I don't know how quick you caught on to that. Me, me too. Uh, okay. <laughs> it took me years to realize that was a play on miles per hour. <laughs> 
so yeah, she's she constantly complained that you know leaving her in the dust. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to explain to her, you know, this game's about going fast, and he doesn't go as fast. And, uh, and then eventually I showed her, you know, you could, you know, you could help me out by getting me to high places and stuff sure. like that along the way. Sure. And we played the hell of this game, but this retro game rewind, this 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 scenario has recently repeated itself. Ah, this is, what de- this is what I'm loving. Deja vu, baby. Okay, so now my sister is older. Yeah. And uh, she she has she has a, she actually has a Sega Genesis. Okay. And she has Sonic the Hedgehog too. Okay. So she's playing with my little cousin now. Okay. Uh, and my little uh, of course Angel's playing as. Sonic now okay. because it's it, she, that, that she actually plays the real character and the cousins playing as <laughs> as tails and she and they're complaining of course that she is leaving them in the dust mm-hmm. and she goes oh no you know you know you, you're helping me out you're 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 really you know you're the best <laughs> uh, and she and she told me this she goes I, I didn't realize how how useless tails was mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like no you weren't useless you know you helped me out she goes. Come on now, I'm an adult. Tails was Tails was useless. I'm like, yeah, Tails was useless, but <laughs> you can play. You can play to mom, and I wanted to play my game. Right. Uh, she can play as the useless Tails. Yeah. So 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 we had, we had a good laugh over that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but point of the hell that I played, I played the hell out of this game. Like this I did too, one, dude. I played a lot of Sonic too. I did. Like I said, this this was the packing game with my Sega. Um, I only had a few Sega games up, up until towards the end of the system. I had I, um I had Sonic Sonic Two Sonic Sonic and Knuckles I had those three, I had uh, Chicago Bulls versus Boston Celtics '94 on the Sega Genesis, <laughs> which was a terrible basketball game, um and I had a couple other games that I can't think of but I did I uh, really my my system of choice was the SNES so I didn't have a lot of Genesis games I, either I had I had both but this is the first one I actually went and bought this one um, mm-hmm. other games that we played between me and my sisters. Uh, there was that. There was Toe Jam and Earl. I had Toe Jam and Earl. I did have that. That's a, uh, that's that's a necessity right there. We had NBA Jam on both systems because we're rich like that. Uh, the Mortal Kombat games, of course. Uh, but really, I had I really didn't have many games other than, other than the Sonic franchise. I think Rystar maybe. Uh, I didn't have that. We, you know, I had um, uh, Altered Beast. I think it was. I had. I think I had that. Altered Beast was the first packing game. Yeah, I think I, I think I had that. If I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. With, with, the, with the horrible voiceover. Alter yeah. Beast. Yeah, uh, I, I know I had that, so I had that for sure. But yeah, like I said, I, I was just happy to hear that story this, recently that this is, week. That is pretty about, funny, dude. About how useless Tails is, and I'm like, eh, whatever. Even as an adult, I tried to play it off like, yeah, you, you were helping. Yeah, you were, <laughs> so you were, just, you were useful. <laughs> it's just hard to go, come on, I'm an adult now. Like, Right. Uh, it's, it's, it's funny to see it happen again. And I'm sure this will happen in the future. It's it's, it's Luigi syndrome, little bit little brother syndrome. I'm Mario, you're Luigi. That's how that's how it works. Right, right. So, but that's my retro game rewind. Okay. And now it brings us to my favorite segment. Is this your favorite segment now? It's my, my favorite new segment. Okay. Uh, oh not... yeah. Kickstart my heart, hope it never stops. Yeah, kickstart my heart, dude. And I actually picked a game specifically for you this week. So obviously, obviously, last week we did uh, we did uh, video game lives, volume six which album coming out, which which, which, which you did fund, which you did fund. Uh, this one here is also able to still be funded. It has thirteen days to go, but it already has made its goal uh, almost triple the amount. So this game is already funded, and it's 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 working on some stretch goals. But I picked this one for you because I think you would like the aesthetic of this, and you would like the game. 
So Kickstarter the Heart this week, we're going to be highlighting a game called Once Upon a Coma. Um, and I, and I'm no, I know you're looking this up now, but it's called it's, it's not, called Once Upon a Coma, and it is on Kickstarter. <laughs> yep, to follow along. So we're going to talk about what the game actually is right here. After Pete wakes up from a strange coma, he discovers things aren't exactly as he remembers. His hometown is overrun with naughty children, and the grown-ups have vanished. Pete quickly t learns of massive insects, child-eating zombie parents, otherworldly puzzles, and intricate maze-like forts woven together throughout a large late summer dreamscape. The same forts Pete and his gang built a year earlier are suddenly larger, stranger, and more dangerous than ever. With the help of your childhood pals, your pet bird, and your father's trusty razor blade, it's up to you to discover the secret of your missing sister and the bizarre world around you. To do this, you must learn various pieces of music written by your sister, scattered across the world. Play them on your old piano to unlock secret passageways, clues, and new abilities for traversal across the increasingly threatening landscape. Leave the safety of your hometown of Reddington and fight your way through insect-ridden childhood forts like the Spiridian Well, Bloodwick Hollow, Ashcliff, Fluff Bucket <laughs> that's a tough one to say. Fluff Bucket <laughs> Deep and Blackfort Hospital. Are you looking at it? What do you think? I am loving this art style. It's really awesome. <laughs> I had a feeling you would, and it definitely is a if you if you watch the trailer there, it, it it's it's a platforming game kinda like a almost mixed with like a Metroidvania. There's, um, there's a whole music element, so I'm really yeah, loving it. There's a whole music element here. Um so as I said, it's already reached its funding goal. The, the developers are, were only looking for $28,000 to fund this game. It's currently sitting at the time of writing at $70,194. Uh, so it, like I said, it, it, it shattered the uh, the expectations. It, it's done that. Uh, stretch goal-wise, you know, they already got Adventure Plus, which is going to include secret rooms, collectibles, and outfits. That was the $40,000 stretch goal. Uh, the $60,000 stretch goal was putting the game on the Switch. So this game obviously was only announced for PC. It's now coming to the Switch because the stretch goal for $60,000 got it on the Switch. Um, and it will be released during the same time that it comes out on Steam or shortly after. Um, the $75,000 stretch goal is the one they're working on now. They need, you know, about $5,000 more. You will get the epic skateboard and park. Skate around on a sexy skateboard originally planned, but it's not there yet in the game. And then uh, once they get to $100,000, they will add it on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One as well. So interesting that they chose Switch over PS4 and Xbox One for their first stretch goal. And I think that's smart because this is it a Switch like, game. It looks through like a good kind of Switch game. This is a Switch game through and through. I'm actually going to put this into my reminder list. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I th I'm thinking I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to donate a $25 level. Okay. Because that will actually get my name in the credits. I love that you actually are donating some of these to, uh, you know, to. Um... I mean, Video Games Live had to happen, and this game looks good, and like. Yeah. So, I mean, so, I mean, I mean the, the developers have made other good games before. Of course they have. Of course they have. Um, but but they they, they kind of say here like some things that you can actually expect in the game. So obviously as we talked about there, a piano centric, beautiful soundtrack inspired by Debussy and Chopin, which I actually really like. Uh, you know, obviously two very very good, very famous classical composers. Very very good stuff. Uh, old school simplistic Zelda inspired adventure featuring hack and slash mechanics, monsters, and collectibles. And like I said, it does have a, they didn't specifically say it, but it does look like it has some Metroidvania type elements in it as well. Um, you can tell it's a lot of, pu a lot of puzzle elements A lot of here. puzzle elements, yeah. Uh, learn to play the game soundtrack on your piano. So you're the in-game piano, which is actually really freaking cool. Which is cool, you can see my piano in the background. <laughs> yes, you can. Uh, six Ivine Earl inspired hand-drawn worlds. The hometown, the fields, the water well, the forest, the underwater, the mountains, and more. Fight your way through a bizarre cast of enemy types and bosses. 
the, that wonderful feeling of childlike wonder and exploration you used to get when you played games like Ocarina of Time, Super Metroid, and Super Mario 64. Three great games. Uh, you can clearly tell these developers are Nintendo fans because all of their all they're mentioning right here is Nintendo franchises, and they they clearly decided to put this on the Switch first. So these guys are these guys are like us. They are Nintendo fanboys through and through. Um, it says here, did you and your buddies ever try and make a card game when you were kids? Pete and his buddies did, but they were stolen. Collect all the Koma cards for bonus abilities and outfits. Engage in hilarious dialogue trees reminiscent of Night in the Woods and Undertale, which is actually really cool too. Um, th this is really, really cool. So it says here the uh, they're, they're introducing themselves, kind of like the uh, the team. I'm trying to look at some other games that they worked on. You said you found some already? Did you say you actually saw some of the other games that they, that they did? Uh, Koma and Skinny, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So, so, so some decent games there. Um, I'm, I'm excited Skinny's, for this, dude. Skinny's, Skinny's a horror game, uh, so yeah, yeah, and, and obviously they, they, they are, they are, um, you know, they, their big inspiration is obviously Zelda, but like I said, it, it does seem like they, they have some Metroid elements here as well. But uh, I'm, I'm always down for more games like this. Like I said, it, it, it looks, it's a puzzle platformer. It looks beautiful. I love the art style. I love what they're doing here. This is a game I'm going to play, and I'm probably gonna get it on the switch i'll tell you and there's a pretty cool uh tiers out there there you know, are, for, there's uh, quite a few tiers. uh just i want to highlight that the hundred dollar tier go for it co-producer okay so you'll get your, your digital copy you'll you'll uh actually get you'll get you'll get a, a sketch of his outfit uh actually from the creator they'll, they'll, they're gonna send you sign sheet music mm -hmm. you're actually gonna be in the credits as a co-producer um, and you, you actually, there's a Google Hangout, there's a whole shebang there. Oh, wow. Uh, exclusive okay. uh, uh, Discord. But if you do it $200, this is where things get cool. Producer status. Not only are you going to have your name in the, the credits and stuff, mm -hmm. but you're actually going to have your name forever etched in the writings and cemetery. So you're actually, will, Ooh, your name will be in so you're, the game. Yeah, that's cool. That's neat. So you'll, uh, be dead. you'll be dead, but you're in the game. <laughs> I mean, and you're going to be listed as the producer of the game. Absolutely, uh, which, is, which is a big deal. You know, I, I, there's, there's, there's tons of great things. Uh, for me, it's gonna snow soon. Uh, <laughs> but for me, I, I'm gonna jump in on the $25 level. Okay. Uh, it's just gonna call it the doctor level, so I'm gonna get a copy of the game. I'm gonna get some uh, some cool, like the soundtrack and such. Yeah. But uh, it, it'll be cool to have my name as Dr. Frank somewhere in the... Uh, right, Doctor. Uh, Dr. Frankenstein. Ooh. I wonder if they'll, I wonder if they'll be creative with that or... <laughs> I'm sure they will. They'll let you put any name you want. If you look at some of these games that came out on Kickstarter, you see like, you know, they use their um, online, you know, acronym names sometimes. So I'm sure they'll let you. Doctor Level Down Frank. There you go. Perfect. See, key the brand. You know, it's all about the branding. Absolutely. Uh, it's um, great though. The game looks cool. There's there's some musical samples on the Kickstarter page. If you go check out the game on Kickstarter, you'll be able to hear what the soundtrack is going to look like. Um, they they plan I, I, on. I want, I want the sheet music. Like, I, oh, no I do idea. too. I uh, do too, dude. I, I, like I said, I, I play all the time. I, you see behind me, I have the, the music for uh, Mario and Zelda. Yeah. And uh, I, pl I, pl I play whenever I'm bored. So. Right. They uh, in terms of a release schedule here, they said that a beta build will be available for testing in July of 2018, and they will release they will release the final game fall 2018 on PC and whatever stretch goals it makes. So we now know it'll be uh, PC and uh, Switch so far. So the game will be out before the end of the year. So which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, Once Upon a Coma, go check it out on Kickstarter. Support this game when it comes out, because it looks great, and I, I really want to play this game. So, I'm, I'm excited for this one. 
Still some good Kickstarter games out there. That's the whole point of this of this segment on the Max Level Podcast, just to highlight these games that really deserve to be highlighted and, and shown some light on them. Because, you know, while there are some stinkers out there on Kickstarter, there's still some good games coming out of it, too. Or good projects, like last week's Video Game Live's Level 6. So I, I love this segment, dude. I'm, I'm so two, glad we're, we're, we're doing this. We're two, we're two for two now. We're going to stop doing that for me. We're I'm two so, for three, actually. I'm so glad we're doing this. <laughs> but, of course... <laughs> That sound means it's time for some more Are You Afraid of the Dark, my personal favorite segment. And I'm going to tell you right now, dude, we got a lot of positive feedback on last week's Are You Afraid of the Dark. A lot of people liked it. Was, it was creepy, great. I, you, you, yeah. you, you, you got me. A lot of people <laughs> liked the creepypasta element. A lot of people liked the longer atmosphere of, of it. So I'm repeating that once again this week. We're going to another creepypasta because if that's what people like, that's what we're going to focus on. Obviously, we're going to do some other stuff as well, but obviously we're going to we, we, we want to tailor these segments to what you guys like to listen to. So, um, you know, we're, we're definitely going to listen. And we, we obviously, like I said, always send us feedback because we will definitely we will definitely do whatever we can to incorporate feedback, especially if it's positive. If it's negative, if you don't want to see Frank on the show anymore, let me know. We'll, we'll kind of work on that. But uh, I'm just kidding. Wow. I'm just kidding. Wow. <laughs> But uh, obviously, let's get into this. Submitted for the approval of the Level Down Games Society. I call this one the tale of the lost Pokemon. You're going to like this one. I read this. I read this already. You're going to like this one. So I found this, as always, just on a Creepypasta website. But there's no author, so I can't give anyone credit for this. But this is a long Creepypasta, so get ready I'll take the this. credit. Okay. No, we're not giving you credit. Um, it, it was literally this is a, literally a Tumblr post, but there's no no author attached to it. So okay, this is a, this is I, a. I, uh, I don't even know what Tumblr is, so I can't credit. Okay, this is this is an interesting creepypasta here. I am a simple college student living alone in an apartment. I was very enthusiastic about the release of Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver in the United States. I have purposely locked myself out of all media and the internet aside for school purposes, meaning I have no 4chan or ba- Bulbapedia. Is that a Pokemon website? Yes. Uh, I have no 4chan or Bulbapedia to look up information with. As I was busy with school and at the time poor, I wasn't able to buy either game at launch. After my school year ended, I ordered Soul Silver on Amazon. It said it would take a week to arrive, so I decided during that time I would replay Pokemon Crystal on my Game Boy Color. I realized, though, that my mother threw it away long ago after I told her the save battery went dead. I was very upset about it then. She also threw away my copy of Silver, leaving me with no games for my Game Boy Color. As such, I set out to my local game store and bought a used copy. It was $10, which is pretty cheap. I went home and started it up for the nostalgia trip. However, this is where things were getting bizarre. The Game Freak logo showed up like normal, but then the game froze. I thought the cartridge was broken or something, so I turned it off and on again. Just like the IT crowd always said, have you turned it (laughs) off and on again? The same thing happened. I tried pressing all the buttons with no luck. However, after some time passed, the logo vanished. There was a black screen for five seconds. Rather than going to the un- rather than going to the usual menu screen, however, I was placed in the game on a previous save file. It was strange, considering the poor battery should have caused the save file to disappear a long time ago. Either way, I wasn't complaining. I would have wanted to see the previous save file anyway. First, I checked the trainer information. The character's name was dot dot dot. This guy didn't have much originality. <laughs> I checked the profile and apparently he had put 999 hours and 99 minutes into the game. He had all 16 badges and the max amount of money and all 251 Pokemon logged in the Pokédex. I assumed either he was a cheater or a hardcore player. I checked his party to see what sort of team he had. 
To my surprise, there were five unknowns and a sixth Pokemon named Hurry. To me, it looked like some form of cruel joke played by the last owner of the game, but I decided to check the profiles of these Pokemon anyway. As expected, they were different letters of unknown, and all at level 5. I was a bit shaky with my unknown alphabet at the time, but I identified that they spelled out the word leave. As for the sixth Pokemon, it turned out to be a Cyndaquil. The Cyndaquil looked normal, but it was level 5 and only had 1 HP left. It had two attacks, Leer and Flash. I don't know why they named him Hurry, but I disregarded it at the time. The most eerie thing happened. The most eerie thing that happened up to this point was that despite my volume being at max, none of the Pokemon had sounded their cries. There was only silence. Having enough of the party, I closed the menu. I was parked at what appeared to be a room inside Bellsprout Tower. Do you know these locations? Yes, I do. Uh, inside Bellsprout Tower, but there were no NPCs around. Even stranger was that the pillar in the middle didn't move around at all. It appeared to be leaning on its side. There was no music either, and, that, and there didn't appear to be any exit. I walked around for a few minutes, but couldn't find a way out. This was certainly not a room I had seen in the game before. I tried checking my items menu to see if there was an escape rope, but the bag was completely empty. I wasn't encountering wild Pokemon either. Finally, I managed to find a ladder. It turned out to be behind the pillar. The screen turned black and the music started up. It was that theme you hear when you listen to the radio at the ruins of Alf where you catch unknown. I had a sudden chill when I recognized it. At some point, I realized I wasn't in the middle of a loading transition, but a dark room where Flash was needed. Before I took care of that, however, I checked my Pokegear to change the radio to something more pleasant. There was no radio card. The Pokegear wasn't, uh, the Pokegear was even lacking phone and time cards. There was only a map card in which Gold, dot 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 from earlier, who I'll be referring to as Gold from here on out, was walking in a sea of black. Anyway, I recalled Cyndaquil had Flash, so I turned off the Pokegear and made the Pokemon use it. I didn't see any message saying Hurry used Flash, or anything of the sort. The room became lit just like that. The room was a chilling blood red. I looked around and noticed only one way to go, a gray path. It didn't have one of those color changes for when you enter a certain area. One area was red and it cut off to a stark gray. The ladder to enter the room was missing as well, so I had no choice but to head south. The screen got darker every 20 steps or so, but never dark enough to require the use of flash again. I finally made it to the end where I found a sign. It said, turn back now. I'm not sure what that meant as there was nowhere else to go. Suddenly, the option to select yes or no appeared, despite no question being asked. I chose yes, not sure what it was asking. The screen faded to black and the ladder climbed sound played. The unknown radio music stopped and, in a few seconds, was replaced by the not-so-creepy pokey flute radio music. I was in another dark room, but I held my breath and used flash again. Suddenly, it said, hurry has fainted. It was strange because, as I recall, he had no status ailments and I clearly wasn't in a battle. I checked my party quickly, but he was no longer there. In fact, none of the Pokemon from before were there. Instead, they were all replaced by level 10 unknowns. I looked at the profiles again as before and spelled out the unknown, he died. Either way, after that creepy change, the room was lit to reveal a four square large area. The walls were made of gray bricks as, I've, as if I was inside somewhere hollowed out of stone. Outside that room appeared to be a bunch of graves similar to the ones in Lavender Tower. I walked around that small room and pressed a button, pressed a button a bunch of times, but nothing happened. By then, I had concluded it was a hacked game, some sadistic, 
Ooh, some strong language. I apologize. By then, I had concluded it was a hacked game some sadistic f sold to my local game store. But my curiosity kept me going. For some reason, I checked the trainer card again, only to find that Gold's sprite was missing his arms. He also appeared less smug and more sad. He seemed empty, but in a way I can't find the words to describe. He also had an impossible amount of badges. 24. After a few minutes of aimlessly wandering around, Gold suddenly did the escape rope animation. Instead of flying up, he spun downwards. It looked like he was sinking. The music stopped, and after he landed, Gold Sprite was a different color. He wasn't red anymore. He was completely white, including his skin. It was as if he came straight from the old Game Boy games. I checked the trainer card again, and his sprite was as white as he was on the overworld. He had lost his legs now, and bloody tears appeared to come from his eyes. Bloody Tears is a good song, by the way, from Castlevania. <laughs> yes, it is. It also said he had 32 badges, which began to disturb me. The change seemed to represent something important. I also checked my Pokemon. Now it contained five unknowns and a level 100 syllabi without a name. There was a blank where the name should have been. The unknown were level 15 and spelled out dying. I checked the syllabi's profile and it turned out to be a shiny. It turned out to be shiny, but half of the sprite was missing. There was only one leg, one arm, and one eye. It only had one attack, Parish Song. The area I was in Sprout was Sprout Tower. There was the same immobile pillar as before, but everything was red. I walked north for the longest time before encountering NPCs. They were all lined up to the side facing the pillar. They were pure white like gold and nothing happened when I tried to interact with them. I paid them no mind afterward and kept going until the pillar appeared to be chopped off. There was a transparent looking red in that spot and I walked up to him. Without even pressing A, I was suddenly engaged in battle. The music started again. It sounded like the unknown radio music, but played backwards. Gold's battle back sprite uh, matched the front, while Red's was basically the same as the normal gold silver crystal, though transparent. The battle opener said, once to battle, and as if it was Red didn't have a name. Both of us had only one Pokemon each, despite the fact that I had six before. My shiny celebi was called out with the half a sprite for its back sprite as well. The shiny noise and animation was different too, and the sounds it made sounded like multiple screech attacks used consecutively. Something like that one uh, glitch Pokemon's cry. I don't know if that what that means, but I'm sure you do. Yes. Uh, Red sent out a seemingly normal Pikachu at level 255, and it had a seemingly sad sprite with teary eyes. Rather than the usual fight item um, Pokemon run menu, I was only given one option, fight. Because Celebi only had one attack, I chose that one. Naturally, Pikachu went first due to his level. Pikachu used Curse. It lowered his speed and increased his other stats. I'm not even sure if it's possible for a Pikachu to learn that move. Celebi used Perish Song. In three turns, both Pokemon would faint, but it wasn't like I had a choice. At this point, it didn't go back to the fight menu. The battle continued without me automatically. It was at this point that I noticed there were no animations, as if the options were set that way. Pikachu used Flail. It didn't do much damage, despite his level. It didn't boost his health either, since it was maxed out. Celebi used Perish Song. Nothing happened, since Celebi had already used the move in the previous turn. Pikachu used Frustration. This did a ton of damage. Celebi was knocked down to less than 10 HP. Celebi used Pain Split. This surprised me, as Celebi didn't have that attack before. Both Pokemon ended up with around 150 HP. Pikachu used Mean Look. It did nothing. 
Due to the effects of Parrish Song, Celebi fainted. However, it's said Celebi has died, and instead of the ordinary fainting animation, Celebi's sprite vanished. For some reason, Pikachu was still okay despite Parrish's song's use. It didn't even count as my loss. Pikachu then used one more attack, which went beyond the four attack limit. Pikachu used Destiny Bond. It's said Pikachu has died, and a slow fade-out animation played. Apparently, I was the winner. The transparent red sprite was still there, and a text box popped up saying dot 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 dot. Suddenly, the sprite was beheaded, leaving nothing but the transparent body. I freaked out as the battle ended and faded. I was back in the overworld with another change to Gold Sprite. He was transparent like red. I quickly checked Gold's trainer card and it showed the only thing that remained of him was his transparent head. The head was a bit bigger than usual, showing a black void in his eyes. It also stated he had 40 badges. I backed out and checked my Pokemon. There were six level 20 shiny unknowns that spelled out no more. I now know that I was near the end. There was no music playing, but for some reason, I felt like something was there that could be heard. I was suddenly transported back to Gold's room in New Barktown. For a moment, I thought that I would finally get to play the game properly. But who was I kidding? I knew whoever messed with this game must have done something to this place too. I walked around the room to interact with things, as I was afraid to go down the stairs just yet. Note that I said, quote unquote, walked. While the background was moving, Gold Sprite wasn't animated. It was like he was floating like the ghosts in Diamond and Pearl. As expected, there was nothing to interact with in the room. I had no choice but to go down the stairs. I ended up in the lower level of Gold's house. Everything appeared to be normal, but Gold's mom wasn't there. After I found nothing to interact with here, I decided to go outside. To my surprise, the door leading outside didn't work. I walked straight through it into a void. I continued moving south to see what was going on, and Gold's house, Gold's house soon vanished. It was creepy. But when I entered the void, the outline on Gold's sprite turned white to contrast with the pitch black. I eventually reached a white area and Gold's sprite outline turns black again. I continued south without even thinking about stopping. After a long trek, something finally appeared. Gold's regular sprite. I talked to him and he said goodbye forever. There was actually a space in between forever and dot 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 and vanished. As that happened, it said question mark used nightmare. At that point, I didn't even deny it was possible. Gold did another escape rope animation. The scream came back at that small hollowed out room surrounded by graves. Gold Sprite was gone. I tried walking around, but nothing happened. There wasn't even a wall bump noise. I checked the trainer card and there was no Sprite. It said I had zero badges and all the gym leaders were replaced with skulls. I checked my Pokemon next, six level 25 unknowns. As expected, it spelled out another phrase. I dared to read it as it said, I'm dead. As soon as I went back to the overworld, the room I was in was covered with the same blocks as the walls. I figured out that what that room was next when the, I figured out what that room was next when a text box popped up. It said RIP. The room was a big grave surrounded by other graves. Gold had already been dead. He died presumably a few years ago after he defeated Red. He was a young trainer who, despite his efforts in collecting so many badges and becoming a Pokemon master, was unable to avoid the inevitable fate of death. His efforts were eventually forgotten by the next generation. I was unable to escape from that text no matter what I pressed. I tried to reset the game, but the same thing happened again and again until I decided to give up on it. After that experience, I will never look at the gimmicky unknowns the same way again. They say only the first generation has its folk tales and legends, but the second generation has shown me how unpleasant the truth can be. I eventually got my copy of Soul Silver and enjoyed it immensely, but I still can't unthink what that hacked game has shown me.
That's crazy. Isn't it? That's pretty cool. I, I like that. So I actually have played some. I was going like, to say, so, shine, so shine, shine some light on that. Like, uh, obviously, you being a Pokemon master, you, were you able to follow along with that? I was, yeah. Those were actual locations. Uh, the Bellsprout Tower is connected to death and, and life. Okay. Uh, the, the actual prevailing um, theory behind it is there's three legendary um, dogs. Okay. Uh, Entai, Suisine, and the name escaped Raikou. Okay. Uh, and it's believed that there were three Eevees, that there were three original Eevee legions, both... Uh, Vaporeon, Flareon, and Jolteon. Okay. They, they, they would have fired. They, they, they perish in a fire. Okay. And were you know, were resurrected as these legendary dogs. Sure. Um, and on top of it, the spirit of life, Ho-Oh, the, the legendary bird. If you ever watched that in the Pokemon anime, that the, yeah, the, the, yeah, 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 yep. The the, the the bird that was flying in the sky in the very first episode. Okay. Uh, the, the, with the rainbow. That's that's where he is, and it's all about life and death. So connecting it to that made a lot of cool sense there. Um, I like how, I like how just much you know about Pokemon in general without even having to look stuff up. Like you're just spitting this off the top of your head. <laughs> I, I tell you, I, I played every Pokemon game. Right. Uh, and, and, uh, it's something I generally enjoy. And as we've meant, probably, as we probably my favorite RPG. As we've talked about, Pokemon is a is a franchise that I've largely ignored, but we're going to be exploring it on revisiting the classics. So because much like you playing Final Fantasy for the first time, this will be me playing Pokemon for the first time. So. Like I said, the unknown. Like I said, those are Pokemon, all shaped letters. And they, they do spell out letters and stuff. So okay. Yeah. Okay. In fact, in fact, they'll come to sections where like it'll all be written in unknown script, and okay. you have to figure out what it means. And it's not too hard because they are shaped like the letters themselves. But of course, of course. And, and they're used to unlock things in other games. It's, it's, it's it is pretty cool. That's cool. I'm glad, that that's really cool. Then that the author of that again, we don't know who the author of that creepy pasta was, but he tied that all together. That's really cool. But I, I said I have played some fan-made Pokemon games, and I have played some of these uh, hack games because, just like they said, when you when you go to the, these game stores, mm-hmm. you don't know what you're getting. You know, even though it looks like Pokemon Red or it looks like Pokemon Blue, it could be someone's own version that yeah. they put out there and just sold. So I played some pretty weird stuff that crashed, and it was like, "What the hell is this?" Yeah. Nothing, nothing as awesome as that, though. I did find another one out there while I was researching this one called Pokemon Black that we're going to explore later uh, on. Are you afraid of the dark as well? Some, 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 some coming up week. Probably not for a while. We'll probably put some distance between the two. But I did find another cool one regarding a Pokemon Black edition. So cool. We're going to do that one eventually too. But I do think that's going to bring us to the close on this week's episode of Max Level. Unless you have anything else you wanted to discuss. I think we said it all. Well, that's going to do it then. We want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to Max Level, and we also want to thank Dance with the Dead once again for the music. If you're interested in supporting us here at Level Down Games so we can continue to do what we love and bring quality content to you on a daily basis, remember that we have affiliate links in the descriptions for all of our podcasts on iTunes and Google Play, as well as the description box on all of our YouTube videos. We've got Amazon, Sport Gaming Chairs, Origin PC, and Razer. Supporting us through any or all of those affiliate links means the absolute world to us. If you enjoyed what we had to say and are watching us on YouTube, like, share, and leave a comment down below. If you're listening on either iTunes or Google Play, remember to leave us a rating and a review if you haven't already done so. It definitely helps us in terms of search results. If you didn't like what we had to say, let us know that too. We always take the negative feedback alongside the positive. To stay up to date on all things Level Down Games, be sure to like and share this video on YouTube. Follow the main account over on Twitter at OriginalLDG. I'm at Brian underscore LDG. Frank is at the Frankosaurus. I'm on Instagram at Brian.LDG and Frank is at the Frankosaurus once again. We can be found on Facebook for general posts and information. And finally, over at twitch.tv slash leveldowngames for all of our live streams, which, starting this week, probably even starting today, uh, I'm going to be live pretty much uh, as, as often as I can, four to five days a week, so it's going to be fun. I'm excited to do this. Feel free to say hello when you drop on by. Doing all these things will ensure that you never miss an episode of Max Level, our video game podcast every Monday. Game Oracles, our video game trailer show every Tuesday. 
BG Mania, a video game music podcast every Wednesday. Glow, a podcast dedicated to professional wrestling every Thursday. The Top 10 Series whenever it uploads. And Revisiting the Classics, our weekly trip back to the past to play some retro games every Saturday. Plus, you'll have access to all of our video reviews, unboxings, let's plays, reaction videos, and so much more. Of course, all this is also found on our main home internet, and hopefully yours as well, leveldowngames.com. Until next week, keep gaining experience until you reach max level. Thank you.